Right. Shall we begin? Yes. Oh, I, knew I, should, I should have oiled my chair. Hopefully you can't hear that too much. <laughs> it's fucking creaky chair. It's not me. It is the chair. Right. Okay. I shall press the button. Press my button. There you go. I'm going to press it, mate. Rub it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and thank you for listening to episode 445 of 60MW and the entertainment show for March and April 2022. I'm Dave, and joining me, as always, is podcast veteran, Chris. Hello. Hello. I thought you were going to say podcast royalty, but that's a step too far, isn't it, really? <laughs> How you doing? Well, well you are now. It's, you know, 10 years this month, mate. I know, that's crazy. I know I mentioned it at the last show, didn't I? But then I, I put a tweet out, um, I think it was today or yesterday, and then it was just, yeah, it kind of dawned on me. It's like, wow, it is, it's 10 years. A lot's happened in the last 10 years. Uh, two children, um, still married, which is good. Uh, <laughs> um, no divorce looming. So, um, yeah, my, my, I think my wife must appreciate me doing podcasts. It gets me... A, from under her feet so um yeah no it's all good it's kind of strange you know well you've been 10 years almost haven't you as well coming Mm. up to it next month yeah next month i was looking as well 10th anniversary do you know what it is you know those traditional gifts that you get for i think the first anniversary is paper and whatever do you know what it is for 10 years oh i don't it's it's got to be something half decent but nothing too good because it's, it's it goes up like paper and wood or mm. whatever i don't know that shit but uh i don't what is it it's anal sex no it's not <laughs> anal sex. it's it's t- you can tell k that if you want now uh it's tin it's tin mate so tin, tin of beans i'll buy you a tin of pop how's that that's nice isn't it <laughs> yeah and it just and just as i said pop i realized that i haven't put my pop shield on <laughs> <laughs> which it's you know uh, I, I don't know anyway um yeah that's very cool uh, you know what and i think i may have told you this story before but um i remember listening to the aces picture house and doing the night feeds and uh, listening to you having the podcast on on the, uh, the phone on the floor as i was changing lucy at like three in the morning or whatever and hearing you guys talk about hard ticket to hawaii so that's um that's a memory for you isn't it so like, like you said yeah 10 years ago and do you just think i don't know in another however many years you'll get you'll get lucy coming in from a night on the town uh and wiping your bum after, after you because you'll be sat there soiled yourself in your old age yeah yeah it's funny isn't it because like you think obviously you know you wipe your kids asses all the time don't you and then um will they resent me <laughs> when the time comes to change <laughs> reverse roles i don't know but um uh, yeah they'll probably just ship me off into some home or i mean it was just a joke with my mom i said uh, i'll just you know when you start to get a bit old and doddery i'll just dump you in the lake district somewhere and just you know See, see, yeah, say, see what happens. I thought you were going to say, I'll just um, dump you in the lake. 
<laughs> bit yeah. harsh. Well, you know, so, but there you go. Getting older, aren't we? But it's still awesome. I've still, I must admit, I've still got the same excitement and passion for podcasting, possibly even more so because I'm not as nervous as I used to be. I think when I used to record the same coin, um, I used to sweat excessively. And I remember sitting with a laptop um, and sitting on the bed upstairs and record. That's where I recorded. And uh, like I said, I'd be sweating. I'd, I'd finish the recording and I'd just, my back would just be covered in it. And then also I'd, I'd write little scripts for myself um, just to help <laughs> keep me on track. It's funny how things change. But I think the, the and then obviously, I said, again, it's, it's an old story, but it's worth talking about. I've probably mentioned it before. But having that conversation with you over a game of pure pool uh, on the PlayStation 4 and you talking about setting up uh, 60MW or 60 Minutes with, as it was called at the time, uh, and and just, you know, would I, would I like to be part of it? And I think the reason why I've got so much excitement and passion for it is because we've got such a wide range of shows mm-hmm. and I'm on quite a lot of them, um, you know. So it's great that we've got, the ABCD of gaming, which is essentially like the same coin now, yeah. um, which is, is brilliant, but we're all a bit older, um, you know, uh, a bit, I suppose, more jaded, but we still love video games and we still love talking to each other about stuff. That's brilliant. That's still there. I've got the entertainment show with yourself, which is amazing. Um, Spotlight Reflection, which is something that has been going for nearly three years now, I think, or we're in our third year, as Adam will say. We've got the Rant Show, uh, with Alan, um, what else am I on? Am I on it? Oh, interview shows occasionally. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure I've missed something out. I probably will. Somebody will shout at me, but no, it's brilliant. It, and that, I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's, you know, it's podcasting, but it's, it's, everything's a little bit different. And I think that's the beauty of, of our show is that we have got a bit of everything for, for, for somebody, some, not somebody's going to, not everybody's going to like the same stuff or everything, but some people will like something you would hope. Um, it's it's awesome. It really is. I think we've, you know, I was saying this the other day, um, the, how we've grown with the amount of people that are part of the show, whether they're part of the podcasting team or they're part of the writing team, uh, or, or you know, it, it's it's awesome, isn't it? We we just we seem to you know um, mop up waifs and strays for <laughs> anybody who wants to join. Yeah, so. any podcasting refugees, we bring them in, don't we? I think it's made, I think it's made a difference as well. Because you were saying back in the days of 80s picture house and the same coin, we used to do shows once a week. And that when we oh. think now, it's like there's no way that pressure of like, I've got to put out another show in a week. You just don't yeah, want that. It, how did we do that, Dave? I mean, I just genuinely do not know. I mean, my, like I said, I joked earlier on, but my wife was very understanding at the time because I remember uh, we'd only got Lucy. So, uh, you know, she would go to her mum and dad's uh, in the early days of the same coin on a Monday and, you know, go from seven o'clock till 10 o'clock because that's kind of the time that we would record every Monday, every Monday for three hours. I just, um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. And I knew I'd miss somebody out, but it's, it is um, one of our more newer shows show up. So I, 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 that's part of my excuse. Uh, we've got the trophy achievers show as well now. So that's, yeah. and um, the thing I think um, not to sound big headed or, or whatever. And people have said this to us before is that we have acted as a bit of an inspiration to 
people who wanted to do a podcast um, but didn't know how to or were a bit afraid to try. And and again, that's not been big headed. I think it's just maybe because if they think, well, these frigging idiots can do it, then anybody can. <laughs> But um, no, it's it's introducing new people to podcasting too. There, I mean, there are millions or, well, I don't know if there's millions, but there's certainly thousands of podcasts out there. So the fact that people have listened to us over the last 10 years is um, is, is a real honour, honestly, it really is. So thank you to everybody. Yeah, I think there are there are millions of podcasts. I read, I read something, there was all stats and everything that I got in an email a few weeks ago. And it was saying, I think it's like two and a half million. I could be way off base, but it, that's the figure that's come to the top of my head. So anybody that listens to us, thank you, because it is trying to, you know, it's the proverbial needle in the haystack, isn't it, at the moment, to try and get any anybody listening to you. I feel sorry for people starting podcasting now, because when we went into it 10 years ago, obviously there weren't as many that were going on. But starting now, you've really got to do something to get attention, so... Of, of which it leads me nicely into my first pick as well, because I'm going to pick a podcast. Before we get there, though, I will say, you know, we were saying how 60MW has grown and everything. I will say for anybody that doesn't know, because not everybody follows us on Twitter. Uh, this is the Wankers. first... Twice. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> this is the first show that we're doing. We're trying it, and it's actually working, I think. Well, we are live streaming, me and Chris, recording this entertainment show. Uh, it is for... Our treasured supporters, as we call them, and if you don't know what that is, uh, I'll put the link into the show notes. It's um, it's on the coffee page. Uh, it's a pound a month. That's all it is. Unless you want to give more, you can give more a month if you want to. Uh, and one of the one of the perks, if you can call it a perk, maybe it isn't. Maybe people will pay not to watch us. It's is that we're going to be live streaming some shows, and you can watch it via a private link on YouTube, and you can. Have a chat with us because I've noticed that Tina has joined us and she's typed hello in the chat box. I know that, that's amazing, and so that, that's a, another first for us, isn't it? And I'm kind of like watching the live stream now, which is a little bit behind what we're doing, but it's <laughs> kind of cool. And I, I think we need to get some makeup artists or something. We need, I, I mean, especially you know, with with our age and wrinkles and and <laughs> creases and stuff. So I think we need to to get a, a bit of a somebody to do a bit of makeup on us as well. So I'm sure my kids would volunteer, and they've done that to me in the past, uh, but it's not the kind of makeup that I appreciate. So, but no, hello. <laughs> to Tina um, I've got my camera at a very funny angle because of the shape of my room and because of one thing and another um, but I've got my Shaun of the Dead picture in the background so at least people can see that so and I know I'm not looking directly at the camera but hello hello everybody anybody who joins <laughs> so at least he's going to piss people off that obviously listen to the audio version yeah but, so what, uh, what we've said we'll do because I know it can get annoying that if you're listening to this obviously it's just the audio show and you're going oh they're spending all the fucking time talking to you know whoever's watching live we're not going to be doing that but we're not going to ignore the people that are watching live if people who are watching on youtube want to comment or put a question about the film or tv show or whatever that we talk about and then we'll respond to it after we've finished talking about the film or tv show or whatever it may be uh, so yeah if you want to do it get in have a look at the treasured supporters page we'll be live streaming some more shows um definitely these ones going forward so yeah you can you can join in and have a chat with us Make, interact make yes <laughs> like an interactive movie like the old days with the fmv stuff oh, like night trap you can imagine that <laughs> if we, what do you think people would get us to do well tina's just commented she said she wants you topless so that would be the first <laughs> thing that would happen in the game 
<laughs> well, you know, I'll, I'll maybe a bit later. If uh, well, I mean, again, going back to the early days when we used to record. Um, I mean, God, if we did live streaming back then, it'd be a bit of a show because uh, we used to piss in bottles, didn't we? <laughs> well, I did um, because you know we would you just record for like three hours, and we I don't know why we didn't have toilet breaks, but we just didn't. <laughs> And we used to drink alcohol back then as well. Yeah. So and that's it. Know. Instead, Vimto. See Vimto tonight. So yeah. Cheers. I've got, well, I, yeah. Cheers. I've got a cup of tea. Hello, in my Sea World mug. People can see that, and um, a glass of water. Rock and roll, everyone. Yeah. Look at that. Amazing. <laughs> Aren't we wild and getting old? <laughs> you love Vimto, though, don't you? You always have um, Vimto. Is my, is my drink of choice, mate. Yeah. The cordial or fizzy. Oh, it's cordial. It's got to be cordial, not fizzy. Yeah. If I were drinking fizzy, I'd be belching all the way through the fucking <laughs> podcast. That would be it. <laughs> so, yeah, I did say a nice segue into my first recommendation, which is a podcast. Uh, and episode one of it went out the other day, and it's called Podcasto Cat Flappo. And it's a podcast all about the awesome 1987 British TV show starring Rick Mayall Ed Edmondson, Nigel Planer, called Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. It is my favourite Rick Mail show. Uh, so when it came out in 1987, I was already a massive fan of Rick Mail through like Kevin Turvey, uh, Dangerous Brothers, The Young Ones. This come out, loved it. It, it. it is stupid. Ben Elton on the writing team as well. Watching it now, I keep thinking of people watching it now, especially people of a certain age, people that are younger than us, there were so many references. If I said to you, Chris, oh, yeah, they, and, and they talk about Tarby and Brucey and Lynchy, and you go, yeah, 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 I know all of them, but I know there'd be people going, who the fuck are those people? Because <laughs> they're very sort of 80s-centric and talking about, you know, British comedians and, and TV celebs and British uh, weather girls that they fancied. Uh, and it is, if you think Bottom is stupid, Filthy Rich and Cat Flap out-stupids it by far it really is completely ridiculous and it's uh, it's by a guy called jeffers in australia he's been podcasting longer than we have mate uh, he's done a, a podcast all about the good i think he's been podcasting about 12 years now he said uh he, so obviously you know he's honed his craft he's really good and he does do that thing that i always say i love with podcasts where they're informative and entertaining as well at the same time and in episode one, he, he only bloody got a, an interview with Nigel Planer, didn't he? Wow. Who plays uh, Ralph Ralph Filthy in the show, Richie Rich's agent. Uh, so that, yeah, I mean, what a great episode to begin the series with. Uh, they're going to be, all being well, a monthly show with possibly a few sort of bonus episodes thrown in within the month. So I would urge everybody with any interest in uh, Rick Mail. Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. And if you haven't seen Filthy Rich and Cat Flap yet, do yourself a favour, go and watch it, uh, and subscribe to Podcasto Cat Flappo. That, that is definitely my podcast recommendation. Excellent. Well, I haven't listened to it yet, but I have followed them on Twitter, and they followed me back. Um, and get this right, because you were talking about it, and because you were um, in conversation with them on Twitter, and I think they gave us a shout-out on their first show, yeah, the, right? yeah, they did. He, he gave a very nice shout out. Yeah, I think he called so, us his. What did he call us? Something like his, was it his podcast cheerleaders or something like that? So yeah, we need to get our pom poms out for him. Awesome. Now. Yeah. Um, but I, so I'm very much like you. I, I love Rick Mail stuff. So and I remember watching my, my dad used to run a youth club um, 
back when I was a kid. So the Young Bonds was what, 1982, was it? 1982 to 1984, something like that. So I would have been um, about six, six or seven when I first watched the Young Ones. Completely inappropriate for somebody of that age, but it, because <laughs> he, it was a youth club and there were like teenagers predominantly yeah. there. Then there was a, have a TV on. That was, I think that was the first time I ever watched um, the Young Ones and I just fell in love with it. And it's one of those shows that was just one of its kind at the time, wasn't it? And you can watch it now and it's still brilliant and it's still mm-hmm. funny and there's so many different characters in there. Um, and it, even though Mike was uh, always the, the boring one, <laughs> generally, wasn't he? Uh, but because he, he was the cool one, but he, you know, no, I, I never knew anybody that wanted to be Mike. Everybody either wanted to be uh, Vivian or, um, or Rick. Yeah. Um, so it, it was, it, it, so, and then you know, the new Statesman, that was another show. I used to watch that with my mom on a Sunday night mm-hmm. on ITV, um, you know, which is so, I haven't watched that for a long time, but you can only imagine how it's still got to be relevant to, to the stuff that's going on in real life, you know, with a lot of the things that's happening in the world with politics and whatever. Um, but then Bottom, you know, one of my favorite yeah. shows of all time. Love it. I, I, it's, I still watch it now. I still find it hilarious. Um, but, I'd never watched Filthy Rich and Cat Flap, um, to my shame. But because you were talking about it a lot, um, I happened to, I was lying in bed and I got the laptop um, and I was just, I thought, I'll, I'll have a look on YouTube because I didn't really even know anything about it. Mm. Um, and um, and I, I watched the first episode and I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I, I just, with it, the milkman. I mean, the milkman, yeah, the milkman, yeah. I mean, it's so daft. It really is. And like you said about references with people that probably it's it's dated in that respect. So like they they mentioned politicians at the time, like Norman Tebbit and various mm. other people. Um, but it, it's brilliant. I mean, it, it's almost like um, I don't know whether you'd call it like the blueprint for bottom, but because the, the characters are called the like Richie Rich, isn't it? You know, yeah, and yeah. Um, and so and some of the jokes and some of the things are in it. I think, I mean, even um, when so this episode is about the milkman and, and they end up killing loads of milkmen <laughs> accidentally, <laughs> but I'm sure that there's an episode in Bottom where they, um, I think it's a is it on the burglar and they think they've killed him and then they, they end up that he, he's not dead, but then they try and find ways to kill him, like <laughs> different things like oh, was that. that the, was that the, um, the gas man? Oh, the gas man. Yeah, yeah. there's the, the yeah, there's so watching it. Um, and it only, I mean, the thing is about this podcast, how is it gonna have any longevity? That's the thing because it's, I think it was only like six episodes, wasn't it? The show itself, Filthy Rich and Cat Flap. Yeah, Didn't, I know. I well, he's gonna do, he's gonna do the interviews and he's gonna do a deep dive into it, which I take, and I could be wrong, excuse me if I am Jeffers. I take it as though going through every episode and not necessarily doing a minute by minute show, but breaking it down, having, you know, a chat about the first five minutes, say, of episode one, talking about the actors in it and just going into the minutiae of it and finding little details. They've already found out uh, an actor that was in it that they, they didn't know who it was and they've, they've sourced who that is and just going finding out all facts and figures that you never knew about it before, yeah. as well as going through each episode as well. Yeah. So it'll be fun for me as well, particularly having never watched it before to listen along with them. Yeah. yeah um, definitely. And, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm really pleased that uh, they're all available on YouTube. Uh, the episodes, I think is, uh, and I think they have them on well, the, what, the link I watched. It was just basically they put them all together. So it's like three and a half hours worth of stuff. <laughs> so it's, um, it's really good. I, I I'm enjoying it. It's funny. It's, it's daft. And it, you know, there's a bit of a pang of sadness as well because of, uh, you know, realising that Rick's 
been gone for a while now. Yeah. And what an amazing talent he was, you know, and so good. And, and uh, yeah, you know, so. Yeah. Podcasto Cat Flappo. There you go, everybody. Subscribe. Uh, go on then, mate. I know because you've got something a bit different that you want to talk about as well, haven't you, on this one? Yeah. So on the back of one of our interview shows with Jim Piddock, and if you haven't listened to it yet, then please listen to it. And also you can oh, watch yeah. it on our YouTube channel. Um, it was one of the best interviews, I think. Uh, well, certainly I've been part of, to be fair, I've, I think I've only been part of two. <laughs> uh, no, I think, uh, to be fair, I have done some other interview shows with you um, a few years ago, which were all video, video game related. But I... Uh, really enjoyed that and I got to talk to Jim and I knew that the book because the, I listened to the audio book because uh, I got audible and uh, I knew it was going to be funny because he was funny mm. um, but I didn't expect it to be as heartfelt as it was I should tell you what everybody what the book is called it's called Caught With My Pants Down and Other Tales From A Life In Hollywood um, and Jim's one of those actors that if you've you look at his IMDb you might not necessarily know the name, but you'll have seen something that he's in and he's in some fairly prominent stuff. You know, he's worked with some of the the, the best people in Hollywood. Um, and so he's got a lot of stories and he's got a lot of tales. Um, and I think one of the ones that uh, I was, I'm not going to give it away, but one of the <laughs> stories that he alluded to was he, he did this thing on Facebook and it was the top 10 people that he's worked with, but one of them's a, a, a C-U-N-T. <laughs> so, and it was like, you know, he put a, a name out every day or so for while well, he was doing this thing on Facebook, you know, so the people like Tom Hanks was in there and Angela Lansbury. <laughs> so then it's like, well, who is it? You know what I mean? And then, so he gets to find out who it is in this book. And then, so, you know, he's, he's not shy about um, talking about the people that he's worked with and um, like some, for people that we are very big fans of like Billy Connolly and Eric Idle and, you know, um, loads of British comics, but he has had so far and will continue to do uh, uh, an incredible career, you know, uh, and uh, real pleasure listening to him narrate the book. But like I said, going back to it, I knew it was going to be funny, but I didn't expect it to be as heartfelt as it was. There were th at least three moments again, which I'm not going to necessarily, I'm not going to give anything away of when he's talking about his family and his friends uh, and his own personal life that he, I actually got a lump in my throat listening to it. Um, and so it kind of, uh, caught me by surprise that did a little bit but it's it's a brilliant brilliant book i highly recommend it he was in london recently and he was uh doing some signings and it, he had a bit of a q a um which i'd have loved to have been part of but you know i, I couldn't get any time off mm -hmm. or anything like that so um but anyway i just feel like it's been a nice pleasure to actually be able to talk to him and then listen to his book and uh, just help promote it a little bit on twitter so yeah uh, very, very highly recommended. If you've got any interest in uh, TV and movies and you want something funny and a, a bit heartfelt, then recommend it, definitely. Yeah. I'm currently reading it. Well, not this second, obviously. With my pants down. It's my toilet book. <laughs> Every time I go for a poo, I have a little read of it. <laughs> so I thought awesome. that's quite fitting, really. A book that's called Caught With My Pants Down and I'm reading it with my pants down. I think, I, I'd like to think that he'd, he'd appreciate that. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. Um, but yeah, please as well, check out our show that we did with him because awesome guy. I've got a couple more TV things here. So shall I uh, Do talk it, about mate. those? Yeah, go on. So first one, I have to thank Ben for this because um, 
my wife likes detective shows and uh you know anything from like Midsummer Murders to, you know, all Columbo and anything like that. That's uh, a murder she wrote. She likes all the classics, all those kinds of things. So, um, I, but um, we're always looking for new things to watch. And we've been watching a bit of Columbo because Columbo is always on like things like Five Star or whatever, you know, Five USA uh, on a Saturday usually. And then they have loads of Murder She Wrote. I'm not a huge fan of Murder She Wrote, I must admit, but Columbo is timeless. That's I think you, yeah. you can watch Columbo any of them and they're all good, you yeah. know, and, and you can't imagine anybody else in the role of Columbo uh, other than Peter Falk. Um, but uh, Ben mentioned the show, an ITV show called McDonald and Dodds, um, which stars Jason Watkins. Um, and I'm not sure he pronounces this, but Itala Gouveia, I think it is. And it reminded me a lot of Columbo in it. Okay. So you've got Jason Watkins um, who plays, um, one of the, what the, who it is, let me find it. Oh, it's uh, annoying. Hang on. IMDB, come on. Um, I should know which, I don't know which one he is. Whether he's, oh, there he is. He's DS Dodds. That's it. I knew he was, he's got to be one or the other. He has to be one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to, yeah, anyway. Um, and so it's a bit like Columbo in as much as he's quite introvert, and but he, he's very perceptive and he's the detail guy. And then in the first episode, um, you've got McDonald who is one of these kind of high flyers from London and it's set in Bath. Um, and Bath looks lovely. I don't know if you, have you ever been to Bath? Yes. Yeah. It's lovely. Yeah. It does mm-hmm. look very, very nice. And, uh, so anyway, so she's quite a high flyer from London and they're very much chalk and cheese and all this kind of stuff. And she doesn't trust him. And it's it's one of those shows where you see the incident, whether that be a murder or an accident or something, happen at the start. That's again, it's like another ah, okay, yeah. Because uh, people look at him as Dodds and they see him as a bit of an idiot, then they they kind of buy into that. Do you know what I mean? And they they don't realise that actually he's sussing them out and he's he's figuring out what's going on. But it's had so far, it's had some really good um, guest stars as well. You've got Robert Lindsay, who's appeared as one of, in one of the episodes. Um, and then um, <coughs> Martin Kemp, believe it or not. Uh, and, and, and so it's one of those where you've got like a bit of a nice guest star cast list as well mm. that appear in some of the episodes. Um it's really good. I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. I think they've commissioned it for a third series. We've watched three episodes so far. They're about an hour and a half. They're all on ITV Hub. Um, and um, the only thing with that is you, I mean, you can pay for it if you want to, but if not, you just sign up for it to free and then you get ad- adverts, yeah, which, yeah. you know. But no, enjoying that. So thanks to me. I was Patsy Kensit's uh, in one of the episodes. And, and yeah, it's, 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 it, very good, very enjoyable. Um, it's one of those easygoing programs. You don't have to think too much about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. My last bit of TV. So if I say Jeremy Clarkson, mm. what one word comes to mind when you think of Jeremy Clarkson? Oh, my God. Um, belligerent. There you go. How about that for a word? That's a, wow, on a Friday evening. That's a very good word. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. That's not the word I was thinking. Or was, I was I was expecting you to say, I must admit. But so. <laughs> well, I mean, there's two words that jump to mind. It's always Top Gear, because um, that's where I first saw him, was Top Gear. But yeah, he's opinionated and angry and <laughs> funny. <laughs> I like him. Yeah. So I think sometimes with Clarkson, 
he can be a bit chalk and cheese and he's had a bit of an, he's got had an interesting career. There was obviously the stuff that happened with Top Gear and him and all the others leaving Richard Hammond and James May and then doing the grand tour, which I've tried, well, I say I tried to watch, I've watched a few episodes, but I just can't get into it. It feels a bit too staged. It feels, definitely, I don't know. Some, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we watched one of the episodes and it was all about this, I mean, there's not really anything to do with cars in it. I think it was, the, it was the second episode, or when they go to South Africa and they are, they do this thing where it's a bit like a video game, and they have to rescue a fake hostage, and then it's you know it's right, a bit like. Yeah. Um, have you watched the, the Grand Tour? Yeah, yeah, I've watched. I think I've watched them all up to now. But have you? Yeah, I did. Like you, I found them increasingly staged and everything set up. I mean, there are moments of real life in it and spontaneity and they're usually the best bits than mm. the than the bits where you just know it's all set up and they're going to go through the usual tropes that they do which is wearing a bit thin yeah i just think it's almost like they're, they're trying too hard to be funny and yeah, so yeah. i watched some top gear i was never i'm never a I'm not a really big car fan, but and then so when they were on Top Gear, I I, I caught bits of it, but I, I can't say that I was an avid fan and viewer of it. I like the new Top Gear. You know, well, say new. They've been the, this threesome have been together a good few years now. They Paddy McGuinness and Freddie Flintoff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like Freddie Flintoff. I used to listen to a, a podcast that he mm. was on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, you told me about it. Yeah, um, yeah. that was a great podcast. That was um, oh god, was it Sav- uh, Savage? Flintoff and the ping pong guy. Yeah. Yes. Um, so anyway, then I've got a few friends that have mentioned, I mean, th- th- these are older people as well. So they, they've kind of, you know, retired and whatever. And, and they, they told me about Clarkson's farm on Amazon prime. Have you watched this? No, no, I haven't seen any of them. So they told me about it and they were saying how brilliant it was, how hilarious it was, but because I've got this kind of idea of Clarkson in my head that, you know, I just kind of avoided it for a little while. But as I mentioned, Kay and I are always on the lookout for stuff. So I thought, we'll give it a go. We'll give it a watch. I've got to say it is one of the best things I've watched on Amazon prime as a just entertaining, funny, informative. So he has got a farm. Um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but he, he, he obviously got a bit of money uh, behind him. So he owns a farm and up until recently, just before COVID, he had somebody manage his farm and mm. then they um, decided that they weren't going to do it any longer. So as uh, whether it was inspiration for a new TV show or you just thought he'd give it a go, he uh, has decided that he want, he's going to manage his farm. So that includes, and it's a huge farm, it's massive. So that includes planting the seeds, um, doing all the tractoring, looking after the, the environment of it, you know, and just everything to do with the farm. Um, and he knows absolutely nothing about it. And that's the oh, thing, shit. see, he's got a few people around him. He's got people that have, you know, advisors. If you do watch it, there's a young chap on it. He's only about 20 or 21. His name's Caleb. And if, you, if anybody talks about Clarkson's farm, they'll mention Caleb because he's absolutely hilarious he's the guy he's 20 or 21 but he knows so much about farming because he's grown up in that environment but he and the thing is like sometimes people might you know if you if you're in the presence of somebody like jeremy clarkson you might um you know put on some airs and graces or whatever but he'll just call he'll call him a fucking idiot you know he'll just because you know he knows nothing about farming, but then he's learning it on as you know as he goes. And the thing is, what I like about this compared to say the Grand Tour is it doesn't feel staged at all. It feels quite organic, and I think it's not just about 
Clarkson that, that makes it interesting. It's the people around him. There are actually some genuinely real funny characters in it. And the one thing I, I didn't expect to get from the show was I've got such an appreciation about farming and farmers now from this. And I feel like I've learned more than watching any documentary because like I said, I've been, I feel like I've been learning about it as he's been learning about it. Mm. And, um, when it came to an end, this was the other thing I didn't expect to do. I, I actually shed a few tears because you feel like you've been on this journey with him. And I know that sounds really corny, but you do genuinely feel like you've, you've experienced the things that kind of he's gone through as well. And it, it's so funny and it's so interesting. Um, and just the, again, I'm not going to give anything away, but the, you wonder how farmers survive. You, you, you generally, genuinely do. You don't realize, and this is one of the things that he says, he would, he will never moan about the weather ever again, because <laughs> it's so integral to farming. You do not realize how important it is in terms of the, uh, you know, the, the wet and the rain and having, if it's too dry, it's almost like everything has to be perfect. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's so interesting. It's very funny. Very, very funny. But uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was absolutely superb. And the episodes are about 45, 50 minutes a pop. And it's on Amazon Prime. Sounds I think good. there's about seven or eight of them. Highly, highly recommended. We, we loved it. We both loved it. Thought it was brilliant. I'll have to give that a watch then. Yeah, because like I said, I do like Jeremy Clarkson anyway. So from what definitely from what you've said, yeah, you've definitely made me want to watch it. I think you'll love it. I do. I think you'll find it really interesting and funny. It's nice good. One. Right. I shall feed back to you, mate, when when we do watch it. I've got I've got a couple of TV shows um, to throw back at you. I mentioned it on the last show that we did, Miracle Workers, with um, Daniel Ra- Daniel Radcliffe, Steve Buscemi. Series one was where they're up in heaven and Steve Buscemi is God. And I think, I'm pretty sure when we recorded... We were about halfway through season two because it takes... I mean, this threw a lot of people off because you've got season one where they're all in heaven. Season two, same cast, more or less, but it's set in, it's, um, it's set in medieval times. And Steve Buscemi... Did I say about... Because there's a really good joke about the names of people. And so, like, you know, I'm Robinson. So it's like, oh, yeah, you're son of Robin, you're Jellyman. So you go, oh, so you're, you would make, you'd be the man that made the jelly. Um, <laughs> so in the show, they've got, you know, Joe Baker, who is the baker. And you've got, you know, Andy Carpenter, who is the carpenter. So St- Steve Buscemi's character is called Edward Shitshoveler. So <laughs> <laughs> guess what he does for a living? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> And there's also a character called Wesley Pervert, <laughs> and he is—he <laughs> is, he is what his name says. And um, there's three series, so that's series two. And from what I read before, everybody was slating series two, and they're saying, "Oh, it's the worst of all the three series." And I think it's because people were expecting another series of, you know, up in heaven, because it wasn't. It was completely different. And, and it, you know, threw a bit of a curveball for everybody. We found it really funny. Really, really funny. Stupid humour. Well, when you've got a character called Edward Shitshoveler, you know what you're going to get. And Steve Buscemi's awesome in everything anyway. Yeah. And then Series 3 is set in the Old West. 
and they're on the trail. I think they're going to Oregon, they're, and they're in a wagon and they're making their way across. And Daniel Ratcliffe is uh, a priest in it, and Steve Buscemi is um, he's he's a oh. There's a bounty hunter after him. He's he's like a gunslinger. Steve Buscemi is called Benny the Teen, um, which is a bit of a joke, you know, because he's an old man, obviously, but he still thinks he's a teen and he's a you know this great gunslinger that's killing everybody, but he's not. He's well past his prime. All three series, mate, really, really good. We really enjoyed them, and it was another one of those twenty odd minute shows that we've talked about so often over the years. I think you and Kay would love it. I really do. And with three series to go out, we've not been disappointed with it at all. So, yeah, I'd recommend that one. Excellent. This one, mate, this other TV recommendation. And again, regular listeners know that we do like our like 20 odd minute, half an hour programs to watch. And we've talked and we've had some crackers in the past, haven't we? We really have. Oh, yeah. Um, Shit's Creek comes to mind. Always. Shit's Creek is the high watermark, isn't it? I yeah. think Uncle was really good. Uncle oh, was, yeah. That was a great one. There's, there's been quite a few really good ones. There's been some subpar. You know, we both watched Superstore. Superstore, yeah. Uh, yep. Another high watermark, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That was oh. a great one. This one, mate, I don't think you've mentioned it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'll preface this by saying Tina regards Shit's Creek as highly as we do, you know, it mm. is that high watermark. She thinks this is better. <gasps> oh, how's that? I wish I'd got a drum roll on the soundboard now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What, what is it? What is it? She thinks it's better. It is. Before I give it away, I'll, I shall tease you a little bit, mate. I shall tease you. Uh, it's each episode is about 30 minutes. Some are 35 minutes. Uh, there's only two series of it. And it's one of those, much like Shit's Creek, where the humour comes out more naturally. It's not, you know, it's not like Uncle, where it's the throwing the, the humour at you. Um, although that doesn't do it too blatantly. But this this is, yeah, the, the humour's subtle with everything that goes on. There's characters that you really care for. All the characters have got something about them that you care about. It'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. Um, it's really well shot, and it's called... Are you ready for this? <gasps> He's going to write it down. I am. And you must have heard of it, mate. Cause, I mean, we're late to the party with this. Ted Lasso. Yes! No way. See, I've heard um, mixed things about it. Some people have said that there's a good few good episodes, and then some saying that it kind of it's dropped off a little bit. But I have heard about this. Is This is on Apple It's TV? on Apple TV, yeah. But of course, you know, the internet. You, you can, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But we did watch it through Apple TV, to be fair. Uh, yeah, I mean, there is, because we've we've only got one episode of Series 2 still to watch. And in Series 2, there was, I think this is true of most series, though, there was, there was one episode that was weird. There's always one, like, weird episode where, yeah. you know, some, I think, like, Buffy the Vampire Slayer would have an episode, wasn't it, where everybody was singing and... Every, most shows have something like that and there was one in this that was a bit out there but it's been consistently really really fucking good and I, I was part of it because it's oh, it's about and for people that don't know it's about I think he was a high school football, um, American football coach um, not college could be wrong on that uh, Ted Lasso played by um, oh, Jason Sudeikis yeah. I think yeah 
And um, he he gets brought over to to manage Richmond FC, uh, an English football team or soccer team for our American listeners. And the reason he's hired is because the owner, the female owner now, has got divorced. And the part of the divorce settlement was she got the football club. And she hates her ex-husband so much and knew how much she really loved the club that she wants to run the club into the ground and fuck everything up. So she hires Ted Lasso, who knows nothing about English football, to be the manager, thinking, oh, well, he'll fuck everything up. <laughs> which, which, no spoilers, but he does. And, um, but again, things turn around a little bit. I don't want to give too much away, but you can, you can sort of guess anyway, you know, in broad strokes, how the story's going to go, but the way that it deals with the characters, you just can't help, but really love them and get into them and pick your favorites. It's, um, and again, I know you will really love it, mate. I know you will love it. And it was a very pleasant surprise considering for ages I thought, no, I'm just not, I don't want, I've got no interest in our football anyway and I'm not bothered about watching a show about a football manager. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad I did because it's very, very good. Excellent. Mm. There's, um, I'm just looking now, you can do a seven-day trial with um, Apple TV. So I might have a look at that and then see if I can binge it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's only two series. I think, I can't remember how many are in series one, but... We've just watched episode 11 of series two, so. And you see, they're mostly like half an hour, so yeah, you could do it easily. That's a real surprise, I must admit. Like I said, I've heard good things about it. I know that one of the actors, isn't it, Brett Goldstein? Um, I think he won, a, I don't know if it was um, not a BAFTA, what's the American equivalent? The Golden, a Golden Globe, mm-hmm. I'm sure it was. Um, and uh, Brett Goldstein, again, links back to one call because he was in that too. He was the bass player i think in brett goldstein in it he plays a character called roy kent who is quite blatantly a ripoff of roy Keane. okay he he is like grumpy hard man midfielder which he's my favorite in it as well (laughs) he he has all the best lines that's fantastic i will seek that out for sure because i mean if god if it's tina saying it's better than shit's creek yeah i think we were about I think we're about halfway through season two when she said, you know what? I think I prefer this to Shit's Creek. See, it's topped God. to Shit's Creek. Amazing. So that that is praise indeed, I think. It bloody is. Jesus. <laughs> uh yeah, so that's all my TV, mate. Awesome. Um, Got some films then. I do have, before we get onto the films, I do have and are you ready for this? I do have a documentary. Wow. I know. Amazing. I I have been... Okay, that's enough applause. Come on now, people. (laughs) I have... (laughs) Did you have one last month? Did you? I don't think. Uh, No, I've been been pretty lax on my my documentaries recently. Um, I have got one, though, that we watched. And at two hours, 20 minutes, it's a long one. But Mm. it's it's a good two hours and 20 minutes. It's the Sparks Brothers about the band The Sparks, of course. Um... Ron and Russell Mail, who, I mean, I remember watching them, and they do show this in the documentary, it's Top of the Pops, um, which I'm sure most people listening to this will know, a TV show over here in the UK, um, fronted by great people such as Jimmy Savile. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, More on him later. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Sorry, we shouldn't laugh at Jimmy Savile. Uh, um, yeah, uh, Top of the Pops, it was their first appearance. I think it was 1974. And I remembered watching it. And I remember watching it and going, oh, these are awesome. Because during the 70s, I loved like British pop music, British chart music during the 70s. And I remembered watching their appearance on this and going, oh, yeah, these are awesome. And uh, I, I've never, okay, full disclosure, I've never bought a Sparks album. And um, my knowledge of their music is only through what I've heard on the radio or TV shows. But everything I've heard, you know, I've enjoyed. Quite eclectic. And this documentary shows just how eclectic their musical career has been. Because, quite honestly, they don't, they don't give a fuck. They just make whatever they want to make. Oh, we feel like making this jazz-infused album and we'll do that now and now we'll make this harder-edged, almost, you know, country rock album. Yeah, let's go and, and do that and to hell with what people think. The main thing I got out of it, and it's a really well-made documentary, and, you know, it does quite well follow their career and give you all the high points, all of the low points, of which there's many. But the main thing I got out of it was what a couple of really nice guys Ron and Russell are. They're the type of guys that you go... Yeah, I could hang out with you. Mm. <laughs> and and their passion for what they do, their passion for the music and their profession and their passion for life in general is so positive and it just it just puts a big smile on your face. You know, even when they were shit on almost figuratively not, you know, not not you know, properly shit on. They <laughs> It's although, not a scat, although it? they may have done at some point in the career, I don't know. Maybe mm. they, maybe that'll be in the extended version. Uh, they still, they still stay, stay positive about everything and just carry on doing what they do. And they're still doing it now. They're still touring the world. And I think they're, I think they're in the seventies now, and they've still got a lot of energy. But it's really, even if you like, obviously, if you like Sparks, you probably already watched it. But you don't even need to be a Sparks fan to get something out of this. It it just makes you feel good watching it to see two two brothers who are quite obviously really close to each other, and have spent their lifetime doing what they love and and fuck everybody else. So yeah, it was it was a really nice watch. I enjoyed mm. it. And, it, and the two hours twenty minutes flew by. It didn't drag at all. Uh, directed by Edgar Wright as well, which I yes. had no idea about. Yeah, and he's on it as well, and because he's like a huge sparks fan and that's you know that's the reason he made it because you know he's, he's such a big fan and wants more people to know about the band so yeah it's good it's really really good mate that's cool i like you i've i've heard a few of their songs in the past but i don't really know any of their music particularly um i just remember there's some of the, the videos of uh, is one of them just looks because he's got that hitler, hitler mustache yeah yeah, yeah they, they go on <laughs> about bit, that yeah just a bit weird you know um but oh that sounds good i like that what's that on uh, that was on, oh, it's one of the streaming services. It could have been, it was Netflix or Amazon. It was one of the Oh, two. okay, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Go on then, mate. I shall hand it over to you because we're, we're on the movies. Yeah. Oh, I will I'll kind of get this out of the way. <laughs> but, but, I mean, <laughs> so the the new uh, documentary, well, would you call it documentary? I guess you would. Uh, Jimmy Savile, A British Horror Story. Because uh, I know that you watched this, didn't you? Yes. Uh, and it seemed to be that everybody was talking about it on our WhatsApp channel for a while. And um, 
I mean, I've got no real interest in watching stuff like this, but I think because people were talking about it and it's like, oh, do you, can you believe this? Can you believe that? So I watched it and it's in two parts and uh, it's what, three hours or so, I think in total. Yeah, it must be. Three and a half hours, something like that. Um, so the first half, I suppose, is about his kind of rise to fame and, uh, you know, how he was involved with all sorts of people and celebrities and royalty and bits, you know, things like that. And then the second half is more about how it was, the allegations were made. And then, it, you know, all these victims started to come forward and talking to the victims and God, that was hard work. That was, you know, really rough to watch some of that kind of stuff, people mm. describing some of the things that happened to them. And, but I suppose the one interesting thing I took away from, and it was, you know, it was interesting. It's such a weird thing, isn't it? To to look back at it now and you think, I mean, he was always a weird looking fucker, wasn't he? <laughs> but you to think, oh God, you know, he was so ingrained on TV and yeah. it was, it's crazy, isn't it? You know, I remember watching Jim will fix it when I was a kid. Um, and you know, he was, he was always involved with stuff like that. And then I didn't realize to, after, until I watched this, the extent that, you know, he was involved with all these charity work and raising money and all those things. I remember watching that Louis Theroux documentary all those years ago when yeah. he was still alive. And then he kind of, cause there was stuff in there that you kind of came out and thinking, you know, he's very strange. The, um, I think, I think he kept his one of his mom's dresses. I don't know if it's a wedding dress on the bed, <laughs> you know, you're thinking, all right, <laughs> that's fucking weird. Yeah. But, um, so I think, like I said, the interesting idea and concept that I took away was that he did all of these things, raised all these millions of pounds for hospitals and for charity and all that to try and balance out the bad stuff that he yeah, was doing yeah. in his life and the absolutely horrific stuff that he did uh, to people and um, how it was pretty much covered up, you know, um, and so I found that really quite interesting. But at the same time, when I went onto Letterboxd, and it's one of those weird things, I mean, like it's not a film particularly, but it's it's on Letterboxd. You can rate it and review it. But I didn't want to rate it because it's one of those <laughs> things where you you can't say that you enjoyed it. I can't say that I enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? It's like if I give it a star, if, if I give it a rating, even if you one star, that's still kind of like, you know, but it's a, it's a well-made documentary mm. from my point of view. And, yeah, and so yeah, I can't yeah. criticize it for that, but the subject matter is so that I can't say I, I enjoyed it. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then after that, I felt like I needed a wash or a shower or I, I needed <laughs> yeah. something. I needed to go and watch like dude, where's my car, you know, or something ridiculous <laughs> just to, just to just kind of uh, erase it from my memory or wash it from my, my, soul a little bit which sounds a bit dramatic but it just so happened that the next night on channel five there was again this is on um uh letterbox so you can rate it mm. uh, billy Connolly, in his own words uh which is a, a sort of um similar type of thing in a lot of ways it's 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 interviews over the years of him and how he started and you know the, the early part of his life and mm. how he was physically abused by a relative um, beaten and taunted and just had a horrible childhood growing up and then went on to do what he did and working on the, the docks, uh, becoming a welder and all the things. Well, people know this about Billy Connolly now. And then, you know, getting into being a comedian and a musician and then acting. And and that felt like the perfect antidote for, for the, uh, the Jimmy Savile stuff because it was similar in a lot of ways. You know, it showed a lot of his old interviews, mm. showed a lot of him talking about his career, you know, through the years. 
Um, and but it just it is the thing is I think with, with Billy Connolly he's got and he talks about this in his um, in his audio book uh, Windswept and Interesting which is really good. It's like he was always worried that when he started acting and being on TV that people wouldn't understand what he was saying. But, <laughs> yeah. But he's got such an amazing voice that you can't help but smile when he talks. Um, and he's just he's just a, a wonderful human being. Um, and, and just so... Yeah, it's the perfect antidote. <laughs> Fucking Jimmy Savile. <laughs> but... You know, uh, so it's, it's very good. Um, and it just so happened to be on. And I watched it and I really, really enjoyed it, you know, so... Billy Connolly for me is one of those perfect dinner guests. He'd be just like, you know, you know that sort of cliched question you can have, or like six dinner guests, alive or or dead. Who would you pick? Billy Connolly's always on my list yeah. for that dinner guest. Definitely, he would just. Um, which Jim Piddick said to us, didn't he? He said, and he's had him as a dinner guest, and he said he's one of those, one of those people where you could just shut up and just listen to Billy talk all night, mm-hmm. which which would be an absolute treat, that's for sure. And Well, and one of the things, again, from the book that I learned was that uh, he never has a clue, so he says, and I believe him, um, about what he's, what he's going to say when he goes on stage. He just <laughs> genuinely doesn't know, and it just comes out of him, and he just talks, and it's funny, and the stuff that he says is funny. Um, and he's, again, he says it in that, because uh, he, he had so many interviews with Michael Parkinson, yeah. um, and he, it's the first time he went on Parkinson. He tell he always tells that joke and that story that his <laughs> yeah. agent, his agent said, "Don't sell tell this joke, you know, because you'll get kicked <laughs> off the TV and nobody, you know, you'll be banned." Um, I, I'll do it now, but it's, I can't do it justice. Which is, uh, <laughs> he, he, the guy tells it, you know, he goes to the pub and this guy tells him, you know, I've killed my wife, and he's like, "Why have you done that?" He's like, "Yeah, I've just had enough, killed her." says, do you want to see the body? He's like, okay. So he says, well, I'm, she's at home. I've buried her. I was like, okay. So he takes him to see the body. And, um, you know, he says, that's where I've buried her. And, and her ass is sticking up out of the ground. And he says, why have you left her ass sticking out of the ground? He says, well, I needed somewhere to park my bike. So, and it's just, it's, 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 it's you know, and he sold that on, you know, I can't do it justice at all. But, you know, imagine him telling that on, TV. And then there's the other one where there's a famous actress. I can't remember which one it is now, but famous American actress, quite, um, you know, prim and proper. Uh, but then he made this crack about, you know, it's about as welcome as a fart in a space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she just lost it. Um, but I think that's the thing. And this is what he says in his book is just, you know, don't be afraid to say what you feel. And I think that's what he's done in his life. You know, he's just, and, and people either like it or they don't. And if they don't, well, fuck them. That's yeah. the, you know, that's all, that's his attitude to a certain degree. So, um, no, I love Billy Connolly. And we've been watching some of his stuff. I think I mentioned this last time after listening to his book, we watched that audience with Billy Connolly. Yeah. Um, just some classic, classic stuff, you know? Yeah. Absolute legend. He, re- he really is. It'll be a sad day when Billy's no longer with us. That it will. Yeah. Um, Movie. I've got some movies. I've got. Oh my god! I've got eight movies. How about that? I'll, I'll whip through a few for you now. I'm going to start off, and they're from all around the world, mate. We're going to go all around the world here. We'll start off in. Let's start off in South Korea, with um, with the the pirates colon the last royal treasure from 2022. 
there is a film called, again, a South Korean film called The Pirates from 2014. I'm not sure if this is a direct sequel to it or not. From what I've read, the 2014 film is it's funny, but not as not as slapstick as this, because there is a lot of slapstick in this one. Uh, we we really enjoyed it. It is, and it really is ridiculous. There is, uh, it's it is. I mean, the lazy way to describe it would be, you know, a South Korean Pirates of the Caribbean mm. with a Captain Sparrow esque character in it who is just an absolute clown <laughs> in it. The CG, CG in it is terrible, <laughs> but in a good way. I think you'll find out, give it 20 minutes, and I think you'll know if you'll like it or not. It hooked us because of its stupidity. And there's this one scene where the Captain Jack Sparrow character, uh, he's in a tunnel, and a load of I think, stampeding cows come through the tunnel, and he can't get out of the way. And you see, you see the outside shot from the tunnel, and he, you know, cows start flying through it. Uh, really bad CG cows, and then he's backwards on top of one, like buck riding it as it's coming out and screaming and going across. And you can watch that scene and go, "Fucking hell, this is awful!" Or like me and Tina did, when this is fucking awesome. This is so good. You're either going to buy into it or you're not. It's um, it's a romp of an adventure. You know, again, it hits it hits everything that pirate movies do, and but it does it in a stupid, silly, funny, tongue-in-cheek, slapstick way that you'll either get or you won't. I think I don't think there'll be much middle ground if you're watching it. I think you'll either go, "Yeah, this was really good," or you'll go, "No, that was really shit," and you'd have turned it off. It mm. is two hours and six minutes, so you know if you don't like it you probably would turn it off well before then but we we enjoyed it it does it does just dip in moments like a lot of long films do but overall it was good it's made me want to watch the pirates from 2014 which i know is um is going to be very different to it but it has made me want to watch it so yeah there you go. The, the Pirates, The Last Royal Treasure. That's worth watching. That's Excellent. Mm, that's in South Korea. Uh, let's move to let's move to an Iceland slash um, Danish uh, co-production called Against the Ice. Again, from 2022. And it's, um, it's based on a true story from the beginning of the uh, 1900s. And it's when a Danish expedition... Um, it was attempting to disprove, apparently the United States claimed that Greenland uh, was broken into two. And, and America went, well, half of it's ours. And Denmark went, no, fuck you. It's just one. It's not split into two. You're not having, you're not having part of Greenland. So they did this expedition to prove that Greenland was just like one, one country. And it's one of those, because I do like true stories, um, how much exactly happened, I'm not entirely sure. But it's 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 very slow. It's one of those very, very slow character-driven stories. And it's, mo- it's mostly a two-hander where two characters make their way across the ice. They go on, you know, obviously the old ships of, you know, like 1909 or whenever. And they get ice locked. And the whole crew's there. And they make a base. And then these two guys decide to go out. And, and and reach this place where they can 
without a shadow of a doubt, prove that Greenland is just one one island. And it follows their journey. That's the, that's the meat of the film, is these two making their way across the ice. Uh, which, of course, you know, there's not a lot to look at. It's 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 ice, and uh, <laughs> yeah. but the, the thing that the horrors they have to endure is is oh my god! It, it, at times it was like a bit of a hard watch. I will give I will give one of these Whee! because if like us you love dogs, fuck me. Uh, there's some quite horrific things to do with dogs. So bit of a vegan mm. alert on that one. But because it's one of those humans against nature, um, battling against all adversary to to prove that they're right, it was it was good and it engrossed me and I was invested in the characters. And there is one moment in it, and it happens in a lot of films. You know those films, and it usually happens in horror films where you go, "For fuck's sake, why did you do that? <laughs> Nobody in their right mind would do that." And it happens, but. Fair play, I think like about 40 minutes later, it sort of explains why, in a way. Uh, there is one bit I didn't quite like that I won't go into, and it's when one of the two guys, he starts seeing things, and that took me out of the film a little bit. Mm. Uh, but apart from that, it was really, really good. It was really good. If you like a slow-paced, true story... Um, yeah, stick with it. If, if, however, you want something a bit more fast-paced, let's move to Sweden. And, Oof, and a world a, tour? We're all over the place in this episode, mate. And we're still in 2022 again. And it's um, a film called Black Crab with um, Numi Rapace. And despite it, I mean, I liked, I mean, I've railed on CG so many times on lots of different shows that we do. And the CG in this is a little bit dodgy, but the dodgy style of it really appealed to me. I just liked the world that they created through this, at times not so awesome CG. And it's, uh, it's you know, it's your, it's your post-apocalyptic world. And it's six soldiers, and they're sent on this, like, undercover mission and they've got to transport them these this mysterious package that they don't know what it is, and they've got to transport it across this this fro. Think of like a, a fucking huge frozen lake, and they've got to skate across it with this package that they don't know what it is, um, and they're and they're being chased because people don't want them to deliver this package, and it it was a decent enough. It's not amazing, don't get me wrong, but it was a decent enough action film with aforementioned dodgy cg that i don't i can't place my finger on why i enjoyed it as much as i did i could give you a, a ton of reasons of why i shouldn't re i shouldn't really like it but i did and i know there's been some really bad reviews of it online as well but it really it it, it just it just had that x factor that some films do when you're trying to explain it to somebody and sometimes even yourself you're thinking why did I like it? Why did I like? But there's that X factor that's sort of indescribable hmm. that made it really appeal to me. And um, yeah, some good action scenes in it. And I like Numi Rapace anyway. Um, hmm. But yeah, if 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 you want to give it a go, give it a go. It's not got high marks. Across, I think I'm just looking now on IMDb. It's five point six, which isn't too bad. Um, but again, 
you might think it's a bit cack. Or, or, you might, or you might be like me and there's that certain <laughs> thing about it that hooks you into it and, and you like it. So, Well, it, it, it's funny you mention CAC because I was typing into Google uh, Black Crab, but as always, I, I happened to not look at what I was typing and I typed in Black Crap. So the first... <laughs> oh, no. You didn't go to Google Images as well, did I, you? I didn't know, but the first um, link is, why is my poop black? <laughs> Seven causes <laughs> of black or tarry stool. So, oh, no. um, yeah, so make sure... You, that's just a lesson to everybody. Make sure you, you oh, know what you're typing into always Google. Always check your poo. I mean, I think we've said this before. <laughs> we? It's it's it's, oh, it's a good way to check your health. Check your poo. Yes. So yeah. anyway, uh, no, I haven't heard of this. I must admit, is it this? Is it on Netflix? I think. It, I think it's a Netflix one. Yeah. Again, yeah, if it, it's not if it's not Netflix, it would it would be Amazon. Yeah. I mean, well, again, based on one of the well, two of the films that we're going to talk about for our double dip. You know, there's stuff that pops up on Netflix, and he's like, and, and Amazon, he's like. um the quality of them is questionable, isn't it, yeah, sometimes? Yeah. so it is a bit of a mixed bag you can get on there, that's for sure. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see because uh, Netflix, see, uh, recently anyway, there's a report that they seem to be uh, losing loads of subscribers, mm. um, whether that's because of the price increase, or cost of living going up, or, you know, different reasons, don't know. But uh, maybe people going back to work and not having as much time at home or, you know, all that kind of, but whatever. Um, be interesting because they did. Well, I say they did. They did did seem to have a period where they would just make their own stuff, but a lot of the quality of it. I mean, we've talked a lot about um, Netflix own movies or um, Amazon's own movies and whatever, and, and the quality of them, generally speaking, is is average at best. I mean, there's I, I can't think of a. Um, you know, something that they've made their own has just been like stellar, has been really good. Yeah, uh, we've always said with, especially with Netflix films, the ones that Netflix, say, I mean, because I think there's two, isn't it? The ones that Netflix fund and make themselves. And there's also the ones that Netflix buy in and release under the, the Netflix banner. But as a whole, and it is, you know, I know it's a generalization, but as a whole, we found that the the American ones are just not very good, very just so predictable mm. and just not good. Whereas the European ones, you get the Netflix uh, films from Spain or France or Norway. We've watched a lot of films from Norway recently and they've been really, really good. And And those, you know, Iceland, Denmark, like I've mentioned earlier, the films from there are so much better than the American ones. Mm. And I think the American ones seem to dumb it down more, dumb the stories down, dumb the characters down more. And and again, I know it's a generalisation, and there has been some really good ones from America, but on the whole, in our experience from what's, what we've watched, that's been the case with it. Yeah. So if they, if they have lost a load of money um, by looking at the news articles they have lost a lot of money in subscribers whether that will affect the quality because they will have to focus on things that are actually going to be good quality you would hope um because they can't spend as much money who knows i don't know uh, but you know hmm. do you want to do you want to go to a um, few movies mate i've got what have i got left now Blah, five left 
I'll do it. Yeah, I'll I'll do a little bit of Bond here actually because you, um, you do some talking bond. about do some Bond and Amazon Prime they've got all the Bond movies now, all of them, which I believe yeah, including the um, new one, No Time to Die. Nice. Um, so that's nice. I mean, I've got all of them except No Time to Die and possibly even Spectre on Blu-ray anyway because they released a, a box set a few years ago which uh was very nice you know hmm. of, of all the movies um but it's one of those things if they're available to stream you can just chuck them on do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. like really quick yeah. so um yeah anyway i had a bit of a bond fest and so i went i watched golden eye license to kill and casino royale so uh, and those i mean golden eye is my favorite pierce brosnan bond yeah, me movie too. yeah um i think they just gradually declined in quality as they went on to you got His to did, die, yeah. <laughs> got die another day which is oh. sh- shite um and is one of the worst bond songs as well uh I, that that's a terrible bond film uh, but still um and i think the thing is what watching interviews with pierce brosnan at the time was that um i think he just he wanted to add a bit more drama to the the movies, but I don't know. It just seemed to miss something for me. I, don't, I just, they just seemed to, like I said, that I lost interest. Uh, mm. That the more movies he did, the, the sort of. But the first one, I think, is really good. I like it. It's got some good stunts. It's got a good story. Um, it's got a good uh, soundtrack, which is a little bit different as well. So, um, and then License to Kill, which I love Timothy Dalton in the role as Bond. I think he's fantastic, and it's such a shame yeah. he only got to make two movies. Um, and License to Kill, I think at the time was the first fifteen rated. Bond because he's quite. I'm looking at it now, um, and it was even cut then. I remember watching it on on video when it came out, uh, and it was because I couldn't have watched it at the cinema because I was too young. But it is they had, they've actually added more violence in it. You know, there's uh, <laughs> the bits where Felix Leiter gets eaten. You see his leg come off, and oh uh, there's there's other things. You know, and so it's a really really good film um i think he's great in the role and and it's it's a little bit different to the, the other bond movies because he's kind of out on his own for revenge you know so um he's going against the government and other things so it, it's a a really fantastic bond film i love it um but then that leads me on to casino royale hmm. because i really like casino royale as well and i think generally the quality of um uh daniel craig's bond films has been really high quantum yeah, oh, of solace gosh, yeah aside um but then i think alan said if you view casino royale and quantum solace as kind of like a a part one and part two yeah they're better you know it makes more sense whereas i I, I, yeah um not a huge fan of quantum solace but casino royale i mean it's got some great stunts in it i mean that free running scene at the start and it introduced me and the world to mads mickelson which you know i'll always have a a soft spot for it for that reason (laughs) But it's funny because you watch um, uh, watch that now. I mean, that's from 2006. Um, and then you watch No Time to Die uh, last year, late last year when it came out. And it, he looks so young. He's crazy. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. You know, but uh, I really like Casino Royale as well. I mean, that's that's three. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Roger Moore and um, other Bonds aside, Sean Connery, George Lazenby, et cetera. But that. Those are for me like three just really watchable Bond films. I mean, you can watch them generally anyway, can't you? But they're always entertaining. Oh yeah, I haven't revisited the Bond films for ages. That there were series that I keep thinking, yeah, I could do with rewatching them again. We went through we went through the Daniel Craig ones not too long ago because we watched them before No Time to Die, and yeah. um, 
but yeah, the Pierce Brosnan ones, Timothy Dalton, you know, Roger Moore, Sean Connery, George Lazenby one as well, obviously. Uh, uh, yeah, I do fancy re watching all, all of those ones. Yeah, no, they're good. Um, and then I know you've watched this um, recently, and again, a pleasant surprise, but Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yes, yeah, that was my first cinema film in ooh, over two years. Oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Um, so we watched the first one. So it was towards the end of 2019. And I uh, remember taking Lucy, Sophie and Lucy's friend from school. And then we went to McDonald's afterwards. And then, you know, everyone didn't know what happened like in 2020. Uh, and then, so, you know, what, 2022, um, you got Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And we generally enjoyed the first one. It's it's okay. It's nothing amazing, but it's it's all right. I remember when the first trailer came out, everybody was like, God, Sonic looks shit. Um, and then they did some work on him, and I think he looks a lot better. But yeah. still, and so I don't know what I was expecting from Sonic 2. Probably not a, a great deal, but it's actually really funny. I think Jim Carrey's really good in both movies. Mm -hmm. He's just, you know, almost steals the scene, to be honest. Steals the, the film. But... Um, it's it's a fun movie. There's lots of nods and winks there for the fans of the games. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the Sonic games. I, I have to say the first Sonic has, has got a few decent levels. It's some great music, but then I think it gets ridiculously hard. Whereas Sonic the Hedgehog 2, the, the game, is actually a really good game. But this introduces Tails as well and Knuckles. Mm -hmm. So some of the uh, characters. There's going to be another sequel because I think it's yeah. done really well. Yeah. And, you know, with the ending you know it's going to introduce another character yeah so and you kind of just think well is it going to run out of steam a little bit so um but no very enjoyable you know um as a kid's film and for adults as well some grown-up stuff in there which doesn't involve sonic the, um the wedding scene in particular i thought was quite funny yeah that was good yeah chuckling at that but no and that's amazing how was it your first cinema experience for a couple of years then it was yeah, it was awesome because my son, who who is twenty two now, his and he's a massive video gamer, and his video gaming began with him sat on my knee, um, playing Sonic games. They were always his favourite games, and he's always been and still is to this day a huge Sonic fan. First drawings he did, he'd draw like Sonic the Hedgehog and that, and. Um, so yeah, of course this came out. It, it come to the cinema, and he, he couldn't wait. He'd been he'd been he went on opening day and watched it by himself, and then uh, I said because I've not been able to drive far because it's still with all these fucking post op woes and everything. I've got to, I've still got to be careful what I do. So I th it got to the point where I thought right, I can come across, I can g drive to where he is, and we can go to the cinema and sit down in the cinema, and then I can take him home. And then I can drive back. And, and to be fair, I was I was really fucked driving back. I got about halfway back, and it was like, oh, it was taking its toll on me. But it was it was well worth it because I hadn't seen him for ages as well. So it was so nice to see him again, and then to spend that time together in the cinema watching a Sonic movie and the history of Sonic that we've got between us was one of those really nice father son moments, which is you know they're always nice to experience, obviously, and. Um, Yes, it was really good. I thought it was a very apt film to have my first cinema experience in over two years to have with him watching Sonic. So that made, and the fact that it was a really good film made mm. it even better still. So it was a good day all around. 
Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I mentioned about, you know, we took Lucy, Sophie um, and uh, Lucy's friend was because that, and we went to McDonald's afterwards with the first one is that's what we did with the second one, you know? So it's kind of, you know, two <laughs> years down the line, we just, it was a nice little ritual for us, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. That's all good. Isn't it? Yeah. I think that's the beauty. That's the thing, isn't it? You know, it, that's, it's things like that that make their memories, isn't it? With mm. uh, like, like you've just said, you know, you, your son grew up with Sonic and playing the games and then, um well, when did that come out was it 1991 or something like that on 92 either way you know and then it, so many years later 30 odd years later you know watching the movies together that's very cool yeah it is that makes it won't be 30 years later it would be 20 odd years later but still. Yeah. still makes you feel old though yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i'm gonna jump in quick i'm gonna jump in quick with a film it's from america this one is from america and i would i'm gonna recommend it obviously it's really good but I would encourage everybody to read as little about it as possible. And I'm not going to be able to say much about it because both me and Tina went into it knowing nothing whatsoever about it. No, not a thing. And we thought, oh, well, I'll have a look at this. And um, it's, it's the, the title screen, I mean, it's called Fresh. Okay, it's called Fresh. And... Um, from again 2022 god i'm recommending loads of 2022 films at the moment and the title screen for it doesn't come up until about 30 minutes into the film you forget it's not even come up and there's and it and the way that it does it is really good it's in this scene and all of a sudden it comes up fresh you go oh fuck yeah they've not had the title screen yet it is um it's a there's a young woman you know she's like 20s who is she's tired of the dating scene and the dating apps and she's gone out with, and you see her on these dates and they're just fucking arseholes, you know. And quite by accident, um, she meets somebody in in a store like people used to do in the old days before apps and everything. And and quite organically, they hit up sort of this friendship between them and they go oh, hi and they swap numbers and she ends up going on a date with him and she thinks oh you know all this time spent on these apps and meeting these arseholes and then i'm in the store and i meet the man of my dreams and things happen that we had no idea about and it leads to other things happening that we had no idea about and it's been a while it's been quite a while, actually, since we've sat and watched a film. Because, again, you know, a lot of films are, are spoiled if you do watch the trailer, of which I've said loads of times. If I know 100% I'm going to watch it, I, I won't watch the trailer. But you can't help with watching some things, and there's clips that are shown on the TV, or you see things on social media. We really didn't know anything about this. So it had been a long time since we sat together, and the film was on, and things happened in it, and we were looking at each other going, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? This is, are we, are we seeing that? We, well, that's come out of nowhere. We're not expecting that to happen. So if you do want to watch it, and I would advise people to watch it, don't read anything about it. Just go and watch Fresh. It's a dating movie. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I will say to you, Chris, Kay won't like it. All right. <laughs> It's, it's not one for you to watch together. I know that one. So, yeah, but everybody else, yeah, give it a go and be be, be surprised. I liked it. I really, Excellent. I really liked this one. 
and we're going we're going to Japan now and this film this is an old film well oldish considering I've been talking about films from 2022 for ages this is from 2013 it's called Unforgiven not to be mistaken with the 1992 Clint Eastwood film of the same title but it is the same story Ooh. Oh, mate. I mean, everybody, hopefully everybody knows the 92 Eastwood film, the, the classic Western Unforgiven. This repurposes the story in a whole, you know. Hall gets hit by two guys and they, and they you know, get the call out to get revenge on him. And, and there's, there's all the characters, obviously with different names, in this, but it's repurposed into into samurais uh and and in the late 1800s japan but the same things are happening in it it it's and even though you know you know what's going to happen if you've seen unforgiven because the same things happen in it and they've got the same characters but there's enough little changes in it and because of the setting and everything i was engrossed we were both engrossed with it it looks beautiful and you wouldn't think it would work. You wouldn't think, ah, oh, Clint Eastwood Western, and it's now in Japan with samurais, really? But it does. And it's not boring. And again, because you know what's going to happen, it's really fucking good. It's really fucking good. I'd highly recommend it. It's a long film. It's two and a quarter hours. But especially if you love the Clint Eastwood film, you've got to watch this one. I mean, just for the hell of it. Just for the hell of it to see and go, curiosity value alone would make you want to watch it. But there's the added bonus that it is a really good film. Yeah. So, yeah, 2013, Unforgiven. That sounds cool. And it's got Ken uh, Watabe. Well, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I avoided, Ken... I avoided Wat... saying any actor's names in this one. <laughs> well, Ken Watanabe, I think. Uh, I like him. He's yeah. really good. Yeah. He is good, and he is good in this. It's 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 really good, for, and it, it's got some heart to it as well. Like Unforgiven has, it's got some heart to it, and you care about the people in it. And um, yeah, go and watch it. Definitely excellent. Mm. Go on, then. I'll hand it back to you. I've got three more left. Have you? Okay, so I'll do this one. So this is hot off the press. So this is from a cinema visit today to go and watch Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, so Marvel movie, uh, know that you are beyond Marvel <laughs> movies yeah. at this point. So I'm not going to convince you to watch it. Um, <laughs> but um, no, so it's it follows on in the timeline after... Uh, the, the latest Spider-Man movie, which uh, Doctor, sorry, yeah, Stephen Strange, the uh, Doctor Strange played by Benedict Cumberbatch appears in uh, that as well. And so this is his sort of standalone movie. He had his own standalone movie to introduce the character, but this is now his second one. <clears throat> and uh, so th th I suppose from my point of view, the, the interesting thing for me was this was, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. So if you look at Sam Raimi's career, um, he's obviously had an interesting career and mm. going back to the evil dead, evil dead Two, dark man. And the thing sort of prior to Spider-Man, Sam Raimi couldn't really catch a break. I think mm. he, he made some good and interesting movies, but they just didn't do very well at the box office. And everybody could see that he was a really visual 
and talented filmmaker. But the stuff that he made, uh, I mean, like Dark Man wasn't a success. A Simple Plan wasn't a success. Um, the Gift for the Love of the Game. Those are sort of like the movies uh, prior to Spider-Man. And then Spider-Man came out in 2002 and just showed everybody what a, you know an amazing filmmaker what people already knew, knew if you'd seen his films you know um mixing the visuals and then he'd made those three films back to back between 2002 and 2007 and spider-man 3's um had some studio interference i think people know that by now and it's it's a bit of a messy film um but then people say you know regard spider-man 2 is one of the best superhero movies that's been made but so then he did Drag Me to Hell in 2009, which I, I really like. I love uh, that film. Yeah, I do like that. It's it's kind of, it's a, it's, it's an Evil Dead movie without Bruce Campbell. You know, it's because it, the the actress who who's the lead in it just gets abused. <laughs> just has all sorts of horrible shit happen to her, um, which, you know, Sam Raimi likes to do that to his actors, particularly Bruce Campbell, having listened to Bruce Campbell's books. Um, I think it was The Quick and the Dead, because Bruce Campbell tends to pop up in a lot of Sam Raimi movies. It was it was one that he um, and, and he, he was going to pop up in, and because Sa, uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell kind of started off together, um, and, and particularly in the Evil Dead movies, like he, he does abuse Bruce Campbell, like make, you know hitting him in with stuff and all sorts of things going on. Um, to a point where, so there's there's a story in Bruce Campbell's book where, again, I can't remember which film it was that he was asking him to be in, uh, but then basically he got somebody to beat up Bruce Campbell in a kind of, you know, not in a, not in a really vicious way. He says, right, we're going to make this scene where you get beaten up by the, the one of the lead actors. And so he says, right, don't go, you know, don't be shy. Actually kick him, you know, and punch him and do all this. You know, Bruce is fine. Bruce will go with it. And then he didn't put, he says, right, I'm not, that's not going to be seen in the film. <laughs> so, and he just does stuff like that just to torment him. So anyway, um, so then he did Oz the Great and Powerful, which I haven't seen. Um, but again, I think I had mixed reviews in 2013. And that's kind of the last big blockbustery film that he did. He did some of the stuff, um, Ash versus the evil dead. He filmed one of the episodes that, and then did a few other bits and pieces. But so this Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness is his, I suppose, first big, big blockbuster movie for some time. Um, and I'm not going to talk too much about the story. Um, but at its best, you can see, where Sam Raimi's influence is all over it. And it's kind of a bit, got a bit of a horror tone to it in certain places. And um, the stuff where it's a bit smaller scale and the way the camera moves and it's typical Sam Raimi stuff, you know, you can, you can see it straight away the way and, and the, the other bit, things like that, when it's, like I said, it's more of a horror inflection on it, but then it has all of the other Marvel stuff. And I didn't really give a shit about any of that, to be honest with you. I just kind of lost interest with all of the big um, CG stuff. And I know that there's loads of CG in these films, but it did feel quite heavily CG to a point where it all looked a little bit fake. Do you know what I mean? Like we've said before, when CG is at its best, you never notice it. But with this, it did feel like it was too far CG. So it's kind of a... 
for me, it was a bit of a mixed bag. I enjoyed elements of it. I enjoyed the the smaller horror scale stuff, and it kind of reminded me why I like Sam Raimi, you know. And uh, there's that scene in Spider Man Two, uh, which again is full of all CG and big blockbustery moments, and he's really good. But I think one of the best scenes in it is where Doctor Octopus is coming back to life. And that's like shot by a, like a horror movie and all these tentacles are going off on all the doctors okay. that are trying to help him and save him. And it's really good. Um, but so there's some good stuff in this, but from my point of view, it didn't really keep me engaged and entertained all the way through. I lost interest with all of the, you know, the typical stuff that you see in Marvel movies. Um, yeah. Buildings yeah. being destroyed and all this, yeah. the, the usual big CG fest. Yeah, and also it made me want to watch um, Spider-Man Into the Multiverse, which I think is such a brilliant movie, um, animated movie. It, it looks is, incredible, it's and yeah. it's got a really good story and some really good voice acting. Yeah. And that's, that's, well, I think that's one of the first movies about multiverses that kicked it all off, and then it's it all is, fu- yeah. fucking multiverses. All <laughs> of it's the next big thing, isn't it? Everything's got to be this uh, crossover with things, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's okay. It mm. I didn't blow me away. Uh, it wasn't crap. There's some stuff in there to like, but yeah. I read it, somewhere the other day about how Marvel are planning the next 10 years of the MCU. And it's like, oh my God, we're just like up our people. I mean, cause I got jaded with it years ago and, and dropped out. I'd seen, and I really enjoy, I mean, I remember watching Iron Man. And it was with my son, and like we went to watch it twice. We loved it, and you know, I was into all of them. And then it was just like you said, there it's like, yeah, I've seen all that, and I just they're just jaded with them. And the thought of like another 10 years of of just big budget CGI superhero movies just doesn't interest me at all. Mm. Yeah, and and I do, I genuinely. Genuine. Generally like them. Um, there's, the, I think, in terms of the amount of movies that they have made, I've, and, and again, I like these kind of films anyway. But the quality of them is generally quite good. I, I did enjoy the last Spider-Man movie. I thought it was really good. I, I looked at your letterbox, and I don't think you were particularly taken with it. But no, and um, I love, out of all the characters, Spider-Man's my character. I grew up loving the Spider-Man cartoon. I, I bought the Spider-Man comic books. So Spider-Man, out of all of them, has always been the one that I've latched onto, and I did enjoy the first two of of this new, you know, this this the the reboot of the reboot of the reboot, wherever we are now with them. But that the last one that was out, and Tina herself just got completely bored with it, and for the same reasons as me, and it was I've seen all of that. I mean, it was nice. There was some nice little story touches mm. with you know Andrew Garfield. Again, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a bit with him. And a bit of character redemption. You go, oh, that was a bit of a nice touch. You know, you know, you could accuse it of just fan service and putting things in. But I thought, yeah, that was nice. But on mm. the whole, buildings falling down, destruction, CG everywhere, and it's like, oh, no, I'm just bored of that. Even with, and that was the true test when it was like, well, even Spider Man is boring me now. <laughs> that was yeah. that's when I really knew I've had enough of it. Yeah, I think the other thing as well, it's a bit of a criticism, but I mean, I think. They kind of and they, they kind of expect you to go along with everything that they do, which includes the Disney Plus TV stuff, mm. because you've got um, Scarlet Witch in this, uh, who is 
one of the Olsen twins. I'm not sure which one, but still. Uh, and and so it kind of expects you to have watched One Division, and I haven't. I, I started watching One Division, and I kind of lost interest about halfway through. Um, and I haven't watched any of the other TV series, so I haven't watched Loki. I haven't watched um, Moon Knight recently, and the others, Winter Soldier and Falcon, and, and all the other bits that they've done. I don't know what it is about the smaller screen stuff. It just doesn't interest me. I, don't, I just don't feel like I can... I'll watch the movies, but I just don't feel that invested to watch the TV shows. I'm, you know, so... Um, and and so, it, although it does make attempts to explain and fill in the reason why things are happening with her, which would have been fully fleshed out in the TV show, mm. you still kind of feel like you're missing out a little bit. Yeah. And that, I don't like that because... You know, if you're expecting your, they, they, they did that with the Matrix, some of the Matrix stuff earlier on. You, you know, um, when the first Matrix came out, and then they did the Animatrix, and mm-hmm. then they did the Matrix video games, and then they did the books, and it's like they all link together. So, but unless you are invested, totally invested in that universe to actually do everything, consume everything that's a part of it, yeah. you're going to miss out. You're going to feel like you're missing out, and and so. Yeah, uh, I'm not that. That kind of annoyed me a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, you, you can't blame them in one way, but then again, in another, it's just it just spoil it for a lot of you. Is if you're not, like you said, fully invested, it's just you're missing out on bits that you shouldn't miss out on. Really, mm. uh, I'm I'm going to go so far away from what you've just said with like a big budget mainstream movie to to a, a really really low budget film from ireland from 2021 horror movie which is this is not if you thought that the the pirates korean film was fucking stupid this this really out stupids everything uh it's called let the wrong one in which of course is a bit of a spoof on the film (laughs) let the right one in uh and again it is very low budget and it immediately i know that would put a lot of people off they'll watch the first few minutes and go i'm not watching this and it's about it's about a a young lad called matt he's a teenager and his 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 brother deco who steals the movie for me gets turned into a vampire and (laughs) it's just it's just fucking stupid the things that they do because he doesn't want to be a vampire and then you find out about this vamp, these vampire gangs that are wandering around the streets of Ireland, and it's it's like a kitchen sink drama with with a stupid vampire in it. It's it's really really silly. It's good because we've just been you know we've just been having a go about CG and everything, and there's a, there is some CG in this, but they do it they do it in a way. I mean, because at one point. And he turns into a bat, and he the way he turns into a bat is fucking stupid. But there's a lot of there's a lot of practical effects in it. There's lots of of proper, real real fake blood instead of CG blood. There's lots of that being thrown everywhere, and every time it it in some parts it's a bit like bottom. Because we were pissing ourselves laughing because the amount of times somebody gets just fucking drenched in blood. And we were just pissing ourselves laughing at it. And it is really, really tongue-in-cheek, taking the piss out. I mean, from the title again, you know, 
let the wrong one in instead of let the right one in, you know they're going to take the piss out of horror movies and the usual tropes of vampire films and being afraid of of garlic and crucifixes. There's a scene that cracked us up when he can't see himself in the mirror. You know, all the things that you're used to with vampire films, but done in a really, really stupid way. So again... I mean, warning, if you don't like like really low-budget films and if you don't like stupid, stupid humour, this really isn't for you. But if you do like those two things, there's a lot to enjoy in this. It's a 5.5 currently on IMDb, and I, I haven't looked at the breakdown of the scores, but off the top of my head, I bet it's it's either people giving it a 1 or a 2 or an 8 and a 9, <laughs> and yeah. it averages out at like you know, a 5.5. It is one of those that you're either really going to love it or you're really going to hate it. And you'll, if you do hate it, you'll find out pretty soon. You'll know within 10 minutes if it's for you or not. And, um, yeah, it just kept getting better for us as it went on. It, it, is, it is like a very, very silly, stupid, slapsticky, horror, bottom-esque, in a way, film where, yeah, just, just go with it. It's probably one of those, and I've said it with a few films. Um, I mean, me and Tina just sat and watched it one evening and had a great time with it but it would be one of those perfect beers and mates films you know you sit around get a little bit pissed and all watch this and have a laugh with it but i would i would happily watch it you know just by myself with a cup of tea on a sunday afternoon and still enjoy it so it's good that sounds cool what's that Mm. on it was on the internet or netflix or it was on um I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was on one of the streaming services. I don't. I don't think it was a inverted commas internet film. I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, I could be wrong, but if I am wrong, internet. <laughs> Fair so, enough. Yeah. Okay. It's good. It's good, and it's um, it's an hour forty, which these days isn't a long film at all. So if you want to laugh, go for that one. Yeah. Uh, I've got two left. I don't know if you've got any more left, mate. Movies? No, I think that's about it for me, right. to be honest with you. I will go through these two because these two are my top two recommendations and I can't I can't split them. I'm, I love them both equally. And the first one is a film that Tina had watched previously. I think she said... I was, I was out somewhere. I can't remember. She watched it one night and she loved it so much that she bought it on Blu-ray. And it's it's been sat here for a while. And since we last recorded, she said, hey, here's what we need to watch. Because, because you've not watched it yet. So we put the Blu-ray on. And it's from 2017. And it's called Hostiles. I don't know if you've watched it. I've heard about that one. Yes. Yeah. Is that the... Um, Christian Bale. Ca- yes. Cowboy one. Cowboy, yes. yeah. It's set in 1892, and Christian Bale is an army captain, and he he has history with the the, the Cheyenne um, uh, American Indians. And, of course, there's different tribes. You know, there's Cheyennes, there's the Apaches, there's the Sioux, there's, there's all different types, isn't there? But he's got history with these, and not very good history, obviously, and he, he, he hates them. And he is tasked with taking a Cheyenne chief across America to where they're going to, you know, the Americans, um, you know, come into America and go, this is our country now. We're going to take you and you can, you can have this bit of what is now our country. And we're allowing you, who have been here for way before us, to allow you to have that little bit of it, that little shitty bit of it. 
So he's got to escort him across there. Now, of course, he's got this history with him and he, he doesn't want to do it. This has got, mate, this has got one of the, for me personally, one of the most shocking beginnings to a film that I've ever seen. Right, the first scene of the film got me into it. And and I was locked into the film from that minute. This first scene was like, fuck. I was not expecting that anything can happen in this film. Uh, and everything does happen in this film. And again, it's it's heartbreaking, you know, and the, 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 what happens to to people in it, who innocent people in it, and, you know, with what's going on in the world these days and, you know, people in the Ukraine and this, that and the other. Innocent people just get dragged into shit from what other people are doing. And it's, oh my God, it is, it's, it's shocking, it's heartbreaking. It is incredibly well acted. Christian Bale is like on top form in this one, as is Rosamund Pike, who's in it. And her character arc, I mean, she has to express virtually every emotion going. It must have been a tough shoot for her. She, she's amazing in it. Everybody is amazing in it. It's a great story. It's brutal. It's violent. It's it's gritty, and you're rooting for people, and then people you were rooting for, you go, no, you're a bit of a twat, actually, <laughs> and you change as you're watching it. It was, and a, this is, what, two and a quarter hours, and again, it's one of those, didn't glance at the clock once, it, it went by in a flash. From that first scene, like I said, where it, it just hooked me in and didn't let me go until the end credits rolled. Really, really good. Yeah, I, I remember Tina talking about it um, a while ago and saying how good it was. Mm -hmm. And um, but yeah, I'll have to seek that one out. Yeah, definitely. Also seek out and um, we're going foreign again now. This is a Norway and Sweden co-production from 2021. It's called The Trip, and it's it's another one with Numi Rapace in it, mate. We're, we're double dipping on Numi Rapace. <laughs> Well, I am, and uh, it's it's uh, it's a it's a very dark. It's an well, it's listed on IMDb as action comedy horror. So it's Numi replaces Lisa and her husband um, Ak Axel Henny as Lars, and they're a married couple, an unhappily married couple so unhappily married that they both, purely by coincidence, uh, at the same time, plan to kill each other. Mm. So, th so they're going on what each thinks the other is. Oh, I'm going to take you on a romantic trip out to this cabin in the woods and, you know, we'll we'll get a marriage back on tracks. But really, they're both planning to kill each other when they, when they get there. Unfortunately, while they're there, um, a group of not very nice people <laughs> arrive and mess up their plans to kill each other. Now, the first 20 minutes of this, if you watch it, and I do really recommend that you do watch this, you, you may be going, oh, why is Dave recommending this? Because they're in a car and they're chatting to each other and it's so-so uh, it's and not much is happening. When they get to the cabin where they're going to, all hell kicks off. It is some of the stuff that happens in this again was like, fuck me what am i watching i did not expect that to happen i did not expect that to happen and there's it's really fucking violent in places but some of it gets so violent that we were just pissing ourselves laughing at it you know when it gets to that point 
where it's like, oh my god, oh my god, that, that's happened. It's like, oh, and you just got to laugh at it. I think just to get that nervous energy out of you, it's um, it is really fucking good. We laughed at it and we cringed at what happened in it. And yeah, I would. And this is why I can't pick between the two for my most favourite one that I've watched since we last recorded. There is Hostiles and there is this, The Trip. And I highly, I mean, I recommend everyone that I've talked about, but of all of them, these two, I would easily put into that you must watch these two films. Mm. And it, of course, it, you know, it's it's um, subtitled. And I know, again, some people are put off by subtitled films, but it, it, it's really good. It's an hour 53 and it, it go, that goes by in a flash. And is it like a dark comedy, or is it? Is, it... Yeah, it is like yeah. a dark comedy. It is purposely. It is like a dark comedy. It is there. There are things in it that are played for laughs, but, but again, not in. You know, I've mentioned slapstick quite a few times in this episode. There's, it's not that. It is like really dark, but it does get to you. And we, you know, so we did laugh a lot. And I don't. I don't want to give too much away about it because this stuff happens in this, like in Fresh that I mentioned that we went. Fuck yeah! This, didn't didn't think that would happen, which is so refreshing because we've talked about it in past episodes, and especially going back to Netflix films where you watch you know twenty minutes of it, and you know exactly what's going to happen. You know how many times have we said, mate? Oh yeah, and here's you know here's Joe's best mate, and he's been with him for years, and you just know. Oh, Joe's best mate's gonna do the dirty on him, and he's the bad guy, and that's supposed yeah. to be the big reveal at the end. And you go, and he, and it's so telegraphed all the way through. Whereas this was like, no, I didn't know that was gonna happen. <laughs> that took me by surprise, and and it's and it's really good. And again, the the, the two main characters, their character arc in it, because they go from just hating each other, and through circumstances, they have to team up. Because they're mm. not just against each other now. You've got these other people in the mix that they've got to join forces and battle against, and it's um, yeah, it's very very good. It's nice when films do that, isn't it? That you know, because you feel like you've watched so many films, you know what's happening, and they mm. become a bit predictable. So it's nice when they do actually surprise you, and you you haven't seen you you feel like you haven't seen something for a lot you know like that before. Oh, it's so refreshing, mate! So refreshing. So um, yeah, there we go. My little movie trip around the world in this episode was ended, wow. ended with those two, Excellent. two highlights. Uh, we'll take a break then, shall we? And um, so we come back with our double dip picks. Yes. And see it. See if they're as good as the stuff that we've just recommended to everybody. So, uh, <laughs> sorry. Spoiler, spoiler alert: they're not. But <laughs> but keep listening, please. We go, we'll be back in just a minute. And now preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. It caught me a little off guard. I was just notified about this. 440, open 312. Where's Pace? We've searched top to bottom. How long is this trailer for? Hey! hey. Is it? Yeah, it's an nice one. Let's roll. I'll give you a shout out. Let's go! It's better than Phil. It's better listening to this than oh, no. <laughs> I can imagine. I mean, it, God, because the film's not even that long. It's for an hour and a half, isn't it? It is, yeah. What is it? Uh, hour 34. Nick Ringo as Violet, my man Wick over there, the con artist formerly known as Prince. Show me the money. 
Let's cut to the chase here, shall we? We got the same piece of crap on our shoes. Warner Schultz. He owns prisons in the Middle East. Facility state-of-the-art. One of the most modern prisons on Earth. There's millions of dollars worth of gold in one of those locations. We can try and stop that gold from financing terrorism. Steal the gold, stop the terrorists. Let's go to prison, shall we? Oh, I only fly first class. Why isn't anyone saying anything? Keep moving, keep moving. The only way this is going to run smoothly oh, is if just the prison isn't running smoothly. <laughs> Are you aware of how many violations you have going on here? Keep pushing, keep pushing. No matter how hard they try, they know that they can't stop the mission. You serious? With explosives? I'm always serious. National police? Are you high? Catch me if you can. Well, there you go. That was the rather extensive trailer for uh, the Misfits, <laughs> Misfits from 2021. Um, directed by Rennie Harlan, starring Pierce Brosnan, Tim Roth, Nick Cannon. Um, those are probably the most well-known out of everybody that's in the cast. Um it's currently got a 4.3 out of 10 on IMDb out of 9,400 uh, reviews or ratings. The summary or synopsis is after being recruited by a group of unconventional thieves, renowned criminal Richard Pace, uh, that's Pierce Brosnan, finds himself caught up in an elaborate gold heist that promises to have far reaching implications on his life and the lives of countless others. This was, um, it had a budget of apparently about $15 million and it was a flop, a massive flop. It uh, recouped about $1.6 million according to Wikipedia. The ratings on Metacritic are 25 um, and that is out of, how many reviews have we got here? Not that many, but um, I'll take, well... (laughs) There's no positive ones. <laughs> Put it like that. Um, there's four mixed and seven negative. Uh, so we've got eleven ratings. Here we go. All right, let's pick. Let's pick the the, the middle of the road one. This is the um, Chicago Sun Times. Uh, it's an intermittently entertaining endeavor, thanks mostly to the effortless, suave lead performance by Pierce Brosnan as a career thief who looks like he wakes up wearing a jacket with a pocket square and with his hair perfectly coiffed. But the action sequences are ho-hum, the editing is surprisingly clumsy, and the main heist is so cartoonishly ridiculous, we don't even believe the actors uh, believe it's possible. And then, here we go, this is the lowest one. This is from IndieWire. Um, It's rarely a good sign when a movie leaves you thinking, the Rennie Harlan, who made The Adventures of Ford Fairlane, would never have stood for this lazy, mean-spirited crap. 
So there you go. Um, so I picked this. This is on Amazon Prime. And the reason I picked it was because it's directed by Rennie Harlan and it's yeah. got Pierce Brosnan in it. And so you'd think it's going to be half decent, you know. Um, as I mentioned earlier on, I, I quite like Pierce Brosnan. Um, he's made some decent films. He was in a heist film, wasn't he? He was in the remake of The Thomas Crown Affair. Yes. Um, and so, you know, Rennie Harlan... Uh, you look at some of his movies he's made in, earlier on in his career, you know, cliffhanger, for God's sake. Do you know what yeah. I mean? So um, wh- wh- where can we go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you, know? you think, though, isn't it? When you picked it and you go, yeah, Renny Harlan, awesome. Pierce Brosnan, I like him as well. Tim Roth, yeah, okay. You know, that's the basis we've got with that. Heist movie, sounds good. Good action in it. And then you watch it. And then all your dreams come crashing down around you. So, and you, and you think, why? Yeah, I, I must admit, and because this film is only like on for an hour and thirty odd minutes, it's not a very long film. But fuck me, I checked my uh, watch and phone so many times. <laughs> so did I? <laughs> it, it was just like, oh god, how long's left? I think because oh, I was watching it in bed on a laptop, so. Um, I, I, and I was getting sleepy watching it. You know, you think it was, it's a heist film. It's like I said, it's got the right ingredients. I mean, it opens up or, or okay. You've got Nick Cannon who does a lot of the voiceover in it. Um, and he's quite annoying in it actually, but then, you know, and he's kind of introducing the team and, and then you get introduced to um, Pierce Brosnan's character who's in prison and he escapes. And then, they get he gets embroiled with this group of people, and then his daughter's involved in it. And so, you know, it, it, it's all like they said that it, I don't know what it is. It's just the, the editing is all over the place. It's mm-hmm. just, it's so, it's just a mess. It, it's just a real mess. I mean, it's just, I couldn't give a shit about any of the characters. I, I didn't care about why they were doing anything about what they were doing. I didn't give a shit about the relationship between. Pierce Brosnan and his daughter. Um, I, I just, I genuinely didn't, the action sequences are, are no good. It's just not a very good film. I mean, it's just, I don't, I, it's like I said, it, it feels because it's part of it's set in Abu Dhabi as well, isn't it? Mm. So it had some funding from, from there. Um, and so, you know, they show off Abu, Abu Dhabi and it, but it, it just, it it's just not good at all. It's it's really boring. <laughs> it's, it's I mean it's it's not exciting. And you think and I was looking at Rennie Harlan stuff because uh, like you know you do don't you you sort of look at, at some of the films he's made and you think yeah well, he has made some really good films, but then looking at his IMDb and I haven't seen I must admit I haven't seen a lot of his. Uh, his more recent stuff. So I, I could be doing him a disservice, but if you go back to his earlier, earlier stuff, excuse me. Um, so Nightmare on Street 4, Dream Master aside, uh, but then Die Hard 2, it, it, decent movie. Yeah, Adventures of Ford Fairlane, I, Ford Fairlane, I've only ever seen once and it was a very long time ago. Same, so I, yeah. I can't remember much about it. But Cliffhanger, um, Cutthroat Island, yes, that one was a big flop. I, I've only seen bits of that, but The Long Kiss Goodnight, I love that oh, film. It's really good. Great film, yeah, I love that film. Um, Deep Blue Sea, it's an intro, it's a fun romp. Do you I know what I mean? That, yeah, that's good. 
and then I mean, you and Tom talked about this. So no, it was like a year or two ago. But driven, uh, I haven't seen. Oh, but... Well, I refer to it now as as does Tom as drivel. Drivel <laughs> it is drivel. It is terrible. And this is it with the... Rennie Harlan. This because I thought cliffhanger. You know, cliffhanger Rennie Harlan. Like you said, long kiss, good night. And then you go, oh, I hated drivel as well. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and then some of the other films that he's done, which again, I haven't seen. So I'm perhaps doing him a disservice. Maybe they're actually really good. I don't know. But uh, then after that, you, you look at um, the movies that he made. So uh, the, the only one that I could, well, I have seen was um, 12 Rounds with, uh, oh, what's his name? The wrestler, it's John Cena, mm-hmm. which was all right. But then all the other stuff that he's done. Well, there's nothing like really sort of, you know, triple A or, or whatever you want to call it. There's, it, it, yeah. And then this, so it's like, you think, oh God, Rennie Harlan's best career or is way behind him at this stage. <laughs> it's a shame, you know, it kind of gets you think, you know, he made some awesome, awesome films. I love Cliffhanger. And I know you obviously, for, for obvious reasons, you love it too. But yeah. I mean, then that those aside, you know, he, I mean, he had to follow up Die Hard, and it's it's a good Die Hard. It do you is, know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Um, and it's it's oh man, you yeah, you, you think God, you made some good films, and now you're making shite like this, and it is shite. I can't be, I can't think of one positive thing I can say about it, other than I mean, okay, it's all right to see Pierce Brosnan on screen, but it's shite. It genuinely is crap. It's it's kind of like that film that we watched last time. What was it? That martial arts one with the guy out of the raid in oh it. Oh my god! Yeah, that was fucking awful as well. Um, oh, and that was a Netflix thing. This is an Amazon now, so it's, <laughs> but, oh, it's terrible. It's genuinely terrible. It's it's not a good film at all. It's not. I mean, the one. I mean, like you, I was trying desperately to pull out anything positive from watching it. And the only thing that I could do was the locations were nice to look at because, you know, it was in places almost like a, a travel advert for there. And it is very affluent. And you go, yeah, I don't quite like to visit there. It just looked nice. Mm. But when you're talking about, you know, an action adventure movie, you know, a heist caper going on by a director that, you know, we've loved past work and actors in it who's worked we've liked and the best thing you can pull from it is that's a nice location i mean that says a shit ton about the film it was like like you mate i was so bored watching it and even even the action in it was just just nondescript and and just vanilla with everything about it and and pierce brosnan's character in it mate i mean how old is pierce brosnan now He's he's knocking on, and fair play to him. He does look good for his age, and I do, I, I do like Pierce Brosnan, but his character in it. Who made the decision for him to be? I mean, we talked about Jimmy Savile earlier. He's like he, he's like picking on on females who could be. I, I suppose biologically, his great granddaughter. Yeah, and, I mean, he even beds one of them. <laughs> And you go and you see him get out of bed and he's putting his shirt on and she's lying there naked with just the sheet covering her ass and you're thinking, 
Okay. And then he and he hits up, or he tries to hit up on and another young girl, you know, you know, like early 20s, and he's whatever his age is. And it's and it took me back to um the Sweeney and the horrible sex scene in the Sweeney, and you're going, you know, the remake of the Sweeney and and films like that, and you're going, No, that just didn't sit right with me mm. at all with, with his character. And and he he what he wasn't as bad as some of the others, but it, him included. Did you find all the characters just fucking annoying? Mm. It ended up where I just got so pissed. I wanted them all to die. I wanted the heist <laughs> to go completely wrong, and they all got just horribly killed, slowly and painfully. And that would have made for a, a much better ending for me because I didn't care. I wasn't bothered who lived, who died, if the heist worked or not. What happened in it? I didn't care, mm. and that's that. I mean, that's damning, really. It is. Uh, Pierce Brosnan's sixty-eight, um, so you know it's actually his birthday next week in ten days. Oh, in ten days' time, I should say. So he'd be sixty-nine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Tim Roth as well. He plays the villain in it. I guess he's he's like this guy who runs prisons. Oh, what the fuck? I don't know. Um, so the the group, the gang, you got Nick Cannon, who's, I mean, it's a, it's a bargain basement sort of a team, isn't it? Really? Isn't yeah, it? yeah. So you've got one who's a driver. Um, he's played by a, an actor called Rami Jabba, who plays the prince. Pff, fuck knows. Then you've got Jamie Chung, who plays Violet, who's kind of like the you know, the assassin type martial arts expert, whatever. Um, and then you've got his daughter um, and, well, I don't know what she does. Um, and as I say, Nick Cannon is kind of like the the disguise, the, the face character is now, I suppose. You know, yeah. he kind of gets he, all, all Hannibal. He puts on all the disguises and he, there's a scene with him and he's, he's, he's um, trying to infiltrate his way into the, the prison and he's, oh God, he's so annoying. I mean, he, <laughs> like you said, you just wanted them all to. Oh, and then the, the uh, explosives expert, um, played by a guy called Mike Angelo. Uh, oh, yeah, he, he plays Wick. And they all have these little backstories and like these things. And I was like, oh, fucking, I don't give a shit. I genuinely don't care. I'm not in, interested whatsoever. It's just a bad film. And Tim Roth's, what the hell? What are they doing in it? I mean, he looks embarrassed to be in it as well. Yeah. I mean, he's not he's not in it that much, but he looks genuinely embarrassed. He does. I, mean, I, I watched him in The, the Hateful Eight um, recently, uh, which is, you know, it's a decent movie. But, you know, if you, th- you think, I mean, whatever you think of Tarantino, you think you're going from a movie of that, again, quality, it's it, whatever you think of it, but it's, fuck me, it's a million miles away from this shit. Uh, and you're just thinking, he was in The Hateful Eight, you know, a few years ago, and now he's in this. And it's like, what have I done? Yeah. You know, what What? What have I done to, um, <laughs> to somebody? Um, you know, and he's been in other things, you know, he's, he's acclaimed. Uh, and you just think, oh, God, what? you know, you're in this bollocks now. It's I, terrible. I only watched it a few days ago. And already, you know, I'm struggling to recall a lot of what happened in it. That is just how completely forgettable it is. Am I right? Am I right? I'm going to have to ask you. Am I right in saying 
it also got quite a bit of really shit narration through it as well. Uh, that that's Nick Cannon. I'm sure he does that. I'm sure he 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 for some reason does all of the narration. Um, I, 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 I don't. I genuinely that, don't because know. Because that got annoying as well. It was just I know there was apart from the locations. I thought that's that's nice. I I really cannot think of anything positive to say about this film, and it's no, no wonder it lost money. Because word of mouth would have killed it. Oh god! If if anybody, I mean, I'm shocked that he got a, a theatrical release at all. To be honest with you, um, this is definitely one of those kind of you would think like direct to video or you yeah. know direct to DVD or, or streaming movies that. But this did. He got a theatrical release. He got a premiere. For fuck's sake! Oh, um, but still, anyway, I, yeah, it's crap. It's bad. And if anything, it hopefully if if we. Even though we we you know, we watch bad films occasionally, if it means that we, if you're on the fence and thinking, oh, what shall I watch tonight? Oh, that yeah. looks all right. Please don't. You're not no. gonna. You, you know, you're not gonna miss it. You watch the watch the wall. Go outside and watch watch <laughs> watch the, the a squirrel grow up a tree, or, or, or watch <laughs> the birds in the sky, or something else. Anything. Read yeah. a book. Yeah. Think of this as a as a public service announcement that we're we're saving you. What's it? Ninety-four minutes of your life. Don't, oh, don't waste yeah. it watching this. Oh dear. Will I mean? Will it change then? Can can we? Because uh, we do. Past episodes have shown we really do need to up our double dip game, don't we? Is it going to change with with what was my pick? And this would be where I'd normally play the trailer, but the trailers are all in Chinese and it's you know it's subtitled, so it doesn't quite work on an audio show unless you can see what's happening. And the subtitles. So I haven't got a trailer. I mean, we uh, you can freestyle one if you want, mate. But I haven't got a trailer to play. <laughs> uh, oh, what? Hey, let's freestyle one. Um, shit, the Earth's gonna crash into Jupiter. What are we gonna do? Ah! Oh, oh, quick! <laughs> oh no, Dad's in space. Dad, he might be able to help us because and- be- before before we do crash into Jupiter. And oh, it's cold outside. We need to wear these suits, or else we'll freeze to death. Yeah, and, and there's uh, an there's an AI that looks a bit like Hal from two thousand and one <laughs> that may or may not be a good guy or a bad guy. Yeah. We don't know. And some of some of the rockets that are propelling Earth through space they've stopped. We need to fix it quick, or else. Oh no, Jupiter's getting closer again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so, um, right, this is the Wandering Earth, which is on. Netflix mm-hmm. uh, from 2019, and this was your pick. Yeah. So this has got a 5.9 out of 10 out of 30,000 30, reviews on IMDb. Ooh. It's on for two hours and five minutes. It's uh, The synopsis is, as the sun is dying out, people all around the world build giant planet thrusters to move Earth out of its orbit and sail Earth to a new star system. Yet the t- 2000... 2,500-year journey comes with unexpected dangers. And in order to save humanity, a group of young people in this age of a wandering earth fight hard for the survival of humankind. That is really badly written. Fuck me. That's that's on IMDb. What the fuck? So um, some of the reviews, this has got um, eight critic reviews on Metacritic, and it's got a 57, four positive, three mixed and one negative. Yeah. So I will take the 
first one, which is RogerEbert.com. Um, a week after seeing The Wandering Earth, I'm still marvelling at how good it is. I can't think of another recent computer graphics-driven blockbuster that left me feeling this giddy because of its creator's can-do spirit and consummate attention to detail. That's quite positive. Mm. Um, I will take a the bottom one here. So this is IndieWire again. So... Perhaps no other movie has better illustrated the golden rule of CGI. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. So you got polar end of the um, the spectrum there. Um, now, I knew nothing about this film before um, watching it. And so I did a little bit of research. I went onto Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I don't know if you, you knew this, you'll explain why you picked it shortly. But this film had a budget of $50 million. Okay. And it made $700 million. Whoa, wow. Now, the vast majority of that has come from China because this is a a Chinese-produced movie. Hmm. But, yeah, it's uh, incredible. I mean, it's made more than uh, the Avengers uh, Infinity War in China. You know, it's it's that. It's that big. It is, um, yeah, it's it's crazy how much money this has made, I, and I genuinely did not know anything about it. So, what? Why did you pick this then? Was it some? What, what, what was it about it that you looked at? I just fancied a bit of sci-fi, <laughs> and I thought, let's go for some foreign sci-fi. Um, I did watch the trailer because I thought, is it? I'll watch the trailer to see if it piques my interest or not. And I watched the trailer and I thought, that looks pretty interesting. And that's all I knew about it. And that's that's the sole reason I picked. It. I've since found out, and I didn't know this, that it, it was based on on an award-winning novella from 2000, uh, which I'd got no idea about. And Tina mentioned in passing to me just yesterday, and she said, "Did you know they're making a sequel to it? And it's coming out. It's coming out next year. The Wandering Earth too. So they're mm-hmm. carrying on the journey. So I never knew that, but that's that's the sole reason. I thought, yeah, a, a bit of uh, a bit of sci-fi for us to watch. And the trailer piqued my interest. Mm. So what did you think of it then? I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. I gave it three stars on Letterboxd. I thought it was too long. There were quite a few moments in it where it did drag. Uh, I didn't mind the CG. I mean, it is... In a way, it's similar. I know, again, you know, Marvel films dipped out. I keep going on about the CG in those. And this is CG heavy. But it's not It's not the superhero-y building exploding it although buildings do explode in it so i am sort of defeating myself and my own argument here um it's i just i like sci-fi films and i do we both really enjoy and we found this even more so over the last few years we really do enjoy foreign films a lot more and we've always enjoyed foreign films but for some reason they do seem to be giving us more of what we like over the last few years so I think the characters are normally better written, more rounded, not as cliched as Western films. And uh, even though this does hit some of the same things, there was a bit, I mean, there was one bit that made me think, you know, Armageddon, because the father's out in space and he has to sacrifice himself. And, you know, and the kids on Earth going, no, don't die, Dad. You know, there's things like that that happen in it. But I thought as a whole, and it's like I got I got vibes of Space 1999, the the old British TV show, you know, where the moon's flown out of Earth's orbit and they've got to find their way back. Whereas this time it's Earth 
And I just liked, it really appealed to me, the idea that you've got this all around the equator, you've got this circle of like massive rockets and all one side of the Earth is full of you've got thousands and thousands of rockets propelling it through space. And, you know, then it gets caught in Jupiter's gravity because Jupiter's so fucking huge and the rockets are not strong enough because, you know, some have broken and we can't escape Jupiter's gravity and there's all that peril going on. And you know they're going to survive. You know it's the film's not going to finish with Earth plummeting into Jupiter. Uh, but despite that, you're going, come on, you've got to fix this rocket. You've got to get there in time. Oh, no, Dad's in space. And you know Dad's going to, you know exactly what's going to happen, that he's going to he's gonna save the day. And But despite all of that, it, again, it had got that certain thing to it that I just I really enjoyed. I was rooting for the characters. We just talked about a film where I didn't give a shit about the characters. I did care about these characters, and I wanted the right things to happen to them. And it's a bit of old school gung ho action to it. Um, yeah, I, I just it was it just appealed to me in an almost childlike way with with that sort of action going on. Yeah, I think from my point of so I sat down, we came, we watched this together because I, I thought it, having read the synopsis and looked a little bit about it, I thought it looks a bit disaster movie type style mm. stuff. So, you know, Kate loves things like that, you know, like uh, the Roland Emmerich, uh, Dean Devlin yeah, movies, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, so, and I, I think I was probably, I, I agree with you, it was too long. And so I, my interest waned a little bit, but then as well as the, the big, spacey stuff you know and and it's ridiculous you know <laughs> like he was having a conversation with me so it's like well when they do you know there's the the, the these rockets propel earth to their new solar system or wherever they're just going to park up and they're just going to be like <laughs> a three-point you know, turn we're, okay oh, yeah. we're happy here you know and then, so we're going to find a new sun and we're going <laughs> to stuff. so it's a bit daft but and then there was some continuity things that just i don't know about you but it just some of the scenes well where the fuck did they get there or what, what mm. you know yeah. i don't know if there was just some genuine genuinely weird continuity stuff uh or they just assumed that you know you knew what was going to happen yeah. like at one point towards the end they're in a bubble how do they get in the bubble um you never saw that happen you know you know they've got bubbles these yeah. protective bubble things but they, they didn't where did it come from yeah where, when did that happen and then uh, when did this character die <laughs> when did he get crushed i never saw him get crushed um so as well as the big spacey stuff um then you've got the whole father son and even grandfather um yeah. sort of story you know uh which again like you, you said i did care, care about the characters it did feel quite video gamey because of yeah. the CG. Like I said, it's not the worst CG I've ever seen, but it's, it is very heavily CG, but um, then there's a lot of practical stuff as well. Yeah. I saw um, that some of it was filmed in Iceland, wasn't it? Yeah. So, and then there's the, uh, you know, so you've got the, the smaller scale struggles, like uh, where they're, they're trying to get through a building, which is collapsing and they're trying to escape, um, escort this, this engine, to it somewhere and then things happen to that and then there's other things and it's a bit cheesy you know when they they have to call on all of these other um people to help them and uh, you know but it, it was a fun enough movie you know it's um it reminded me of a video game called lost planet which mm, was came yeah, out yeah. on the xbox 360 
And then there was a couple of sequels. I'm sure there were two sequels. I never played the third one, but the second one. But that was set on like an ice planet. And it's, you know, there were some people that had guns and there was things happening and other bits and pieces. It was a really hostile environment and whatever. Um, So it kind of, it felt a bit like that to a certain degree. But then, like you said, you couldn't help but feel that it had taken its influences from other films like 2001, Mm -hmm. um, Armageddon, uh, you know, so it, it wore its influences on its sleeve. Um, I think I w- I've changed my score since because I gave it two out of five, but then I thought I was being a bit harsh, actually. I, I, gave, I was wavering between two and two and a half because it's, it's kind of that bracket for me. Mm. So I, I, I've given it two and a half in the end because I, I didn't love it and I didn't hate it, but, you know, you kept me entertained for, for the, the t- it's, it's a, I mean, you know, I probably should have given half a star to fucking Misfits thinking about it. But um, so, no, it's 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 decent. It's decent. Um, and then, so, again, for me, my takeaway is thinking, oh, bloody hell, this movie's made like $700 million. Is mental. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy, isn't it? So, um, but no, you know, and like you said, the there's some quirky characters in there um, and there's some interesting characters that pop up. And they have their own little individual quirks and things that are going on. So, like the guy who just roll is a genius and he rolls dice and stuff. It's just <laughs> random. But no, it's it was good. Aside from a few continuity things going on, um, and and I think Kay checked out a bit more than I did, whether that was to do with the CG or I don't know. But yeah, I think she checked out a bit quicker than I did. But no, it was all right. It's okay. I'm just checking through now the double dip films that we've picked. And I don't think, I don't think looking at these, and this is just, this is a list I've got on Letterboxd. And Letterboxd just follows from the 1st of January 2020. And we were doing these shows before then. So I've only got the double dip films from them. But looking at this, we haven't hit two really good films in one show at all. Yeah, we've had we've had really good films, but they've usually been accompanied by one that wasn't so good, um, and that and that we're not on a great run of films. You know, really good standout. I mean, we're talking. You know, if we could have like we have two films and we we both agree. You know, like they both stick to you know sticking to letterbox scores. They're both four star films. We. We need to do that, mate. We really need, we need to, to pull it out. I think the last one that we both really, really enjoyed, I mean, we've, we've, we thought some were okay. It could have been that Indian film, that eager about the guy that turns into a fly. I know we both really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I'm just looking now. There was Palm Springs as well, which we enjoyed. That's got Andy Samberg hmm. in. Um, but yeah, I think you're probably right. And, and believe it or not, that was... Um, so that was April 2021. Because <laughs> we have really gone into some. Some some have been just like terrible. Like you said in the last one, what was, what was it? Fistful of Vengeance was just like, oh, that was God. really bad. Uh, I think How to Build a Girl, we had a good moan about. And yeah, there's been a lot that we've moaned, <laughs> moaned about. With, with your pretty good one here and there scattered that we've picked, haven't we? I'm good. I, I, I'm definitely going to have to think uh, long and hard. <laughs> What that is our challenge. To, to, um, uh, yeah, to put because again, if you know, if anybody doesn't know, the the double dip films are neither me nor Chris have seen these films. So there's always two films every episode that neither of us have seen that we're going to talk about together. 
maybe we should put it out there if people want to send us an email or a tweet and go, have you, you know, seen this or not? And if they, they give a suggestion that neither of us have seen, we'll give that a go, you know, if it's available for us to watch here in the UK. Yeah, definitely. Hey-ho. So you've got one shite film and one okay film, Yeah, from my okay. point of view. So. Yeah, same here. One, one was shite. One, yeah, it was okay. It was okay. It wasn't great. It was, it was good. I'd go so far, maybe a good, but not, but not great. We need some great films. We need to watch some great films on this double dip pick. But yep. um, we gave some good recommendations before this section anyway. So that's good. We've, I feel we redeemed ourselves with that. Definitely. Right then, mate. We shall close this one off. And um, yeah, surely everybody knows by now, mate. 60mw.co.uk. Numerical 60, not alphabetical. That's That's just the hub of everything that we do. And, you know, I keep saying every, everybody's got it bookmarked as the homepage by now, reading the news items that go up on there, the reviews, all the podcasts are up on there. There's everything else. Uh, seeing as, seeing as, you know, this month we said, mate, this is your 10th anniversary month of podcasting. Me and Tom, it's 10 years next month. And um, surely now would be a good time if people that haven't yet written us a review. Send, send us a review in. There's a page on our website called Listener Feedback that we add everything to there. Send us a review. And if you've been listening to us for, if this is your first show or if you've been listening to us, you know, right the way back to the same coin with Chris and 80s Picture House with me and Tom, give us a review for 60MW and I'll put it up on the Listener Feedback page. Good, bad or indifferent, I'll put it up on there. But either way, thank you for listening to us. And... Um, yeah, Chris, you want to let people know where they can follow you? Any Anything else? Any news you want to put out there? Any upcoming shows that you recorded with, you know, you mentioned earlier, all the shows that you do, people, that people have got to look forward to? Yeah, so as of this week, um, with it being the 6th of May that we're recording this, uh, you just released the Starship Troopers show that Adam and I did a little while ago. Um, so I've got to edit the Commando show. We've It's our mm. first Arnie movie that nice. we're talking talked about and that was good fun so um and i'll give people because i'm still a bit baffled this i'll give people um i'll let people know what we're talking about after commando which we haven't done yet and i'm just i don't know what adam was on whether he's on some kind of drugs or something we (laughs) are going to be watching the tv movie first ever episode pilot whatever you want to call it of home and away. <laughs> what? What the actual fuck? It's it's on Amazon. <laughs> oh my god! Prime. I I, I genuinely yeah. I, I I don't know what because Adam said to me beforehand. He said um, I'm going to do something a bit left fit field here. I'm, I, I don't know if it's going to work or not. <laughs> but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. And is so, this something I don't want to spoil it or anything, but I've got, I've just got to ask this one question: Is this something then that he watched years ago and 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 enjoyed and wants to revisit it, or is this, or is this completely left field and he's gone? I've never seen that before. I want to watch that. I I I, 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 I don't know. I don't know whether it's. Um, I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said to him, I think when he said it, I, I said, "Are you?" Big, were you a big fan of Home and Away? So not really. <laughs> oh my god! So, but that being said, 
right? And I've just had a quick look now. So this, it's on for an hour and a half, right? I don't, I don't remember watching it. Um, but it's got an 8.2 out of 10 on IMDb. What? Now, granted, <laughs> it's only got 36 ratings, but still. Yeah. 8.2, considering the stuff that we've just watched. <laughs> and that's got a lower score, you know, so... That that that's going to be a very interesting show. It that will be fun. I, I, I yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So there's that, and then uh, we obviously we've got the ABCD of gaming and the Trophy Achievers show, uh, which we're doing. And then I think well, Adam and I are trying to get on a rant show, but we've had a few delays and one thing after another. So um, there's loads of things. There's, I mean, you've got stuff on your desktop that will keep us going for ages. Haven't you? Yeah. There's always stuff to release. And as people know, you know, there's, there's, if you don't like this show or the next one, you keep listening. There's, there's all different types of format shows that we put out. So uh, I'm sure there'll be at least one that you like one type of the shows that we put out, but yeah, there's more um, currently sorting out some interview shows. So some more of those incoming, hopefully, and yeah, just keep an eye on the feed, and and of course the website, which I said is the is the best place, and Twitter because that's the main, the main social media feed that I use to getting news out there. So follow us on Twitter at sixty mw podcast. Right then, mate, shall we bugger off? Yes, that's flown by again. Now we say this, don't we? You think oh, we haven't got that much to talk, we haven't got that many films or whatever, and then it's like three hours have passed, and that's so. it. Yeah, and you go, oh, that went pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, if genuinely if people are listening and you want to give me and Chris some double dip suggestions, let us know. Again, it's gotta be ones that neither of us have watched. And uh if it is, um, we might pick it and um yeah, we'll let you know. And going forward as well, we'll be live streaming the next one in two months. We record at the beginning of every other month. Uh, yeah, look at how you can do that with the treasured supporters thing. Tina went very quiet. I think Tina, Tina has been there, but she, she typed, you know, disappointed that you're not topless, mate. And because you weren't, I think she's given up. She's gone. She's given up. <laughs> well, maybe next time. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll do anything for a bit of money. So <laughs> she'll have to put the, a virtual, you know, virtual, uh, fiver in my thong or something that would be but it would be yeah it would be, going forward i say i want to do this more with some more show it would be nice just to have some sort of live interaction and the films we talked about like you know after misfits you could have asked us a question or commented if you've seen it or not give us suggestions live on air about what we could watch so that's something to keep an eye on going forward but until then we're gonna bugger off and um yeah i'm not gonna put a film on now but I think we've got we've got some good ones to watch over the weekend, which hopefully I'll be recommending in the next show. So, Excellent. yeah. Until then, it's it's goodbye from me. Bye bye from me. Bye bye. Oh well, I did in the music. The music. <laughs> I the music. Oh, I'll press the button now. Fuck it. People know that I'm not asked for <laughs> editing. They'll know. They'll know. Oh, Dave, oh, Dave can't be asked editing again. It's got left that in. Like press this. the button in. Press hey, the button now. Here we go. I'm going. It's now. Bye. <laughs>